feel, man? <laughs> seven weeks, seven fucking weeks it, we've been gone. It has been a while. <laughs> it's because we walked to New York City. We did. It was, a, I mean, a solid walk. We had nice weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My or, hands are a little scratched up because I crab walked. <laughs> it got, it was weird the first something. day, but yeah. then it just sort of felt normal. It seemed normal. Yeah. yeah. Whenever you go biped, it feels weird. Yeah. At one point you rode me like a surfboard. Listen, yeah. I thought that we weren't going to talk about that. <laughs> we haven't well, told our wives yet. The photos have been published. That's so. fair. <laughs> uh, well, Charles, I feel like you should update everybody. Um, you, you, you got to take the trip we've been talking about for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I spent some time in Lebanon with my family and we did talk about uh, that that was forthcoming. Uh, and obviously for, for years now, I've been talking about wanting to return to Lebanon. I hadn't been there for four years, which was crazy for us to talk about the fact that the entirety of the existence of this podcast, I had, had not been back. Yeah. So I got to spend some quality time with my family. That was sort of the focus of being there uh, was seeing uh, my family and some of my friends that I hadn't seen in a very long time. So that was the, that was the MO of, of this uh, adventure. And I'm sure you guys will hear a lot about it in the coming weeks about you know things we did, yeah. how nice it was to be back, but yeah, it was great to be back. And then immediately get COVID. And then me get COVID and then my wife gets COVID and then I fly to New York. So Marnie and I have had zero quality time for like, two months at this point it was it was weird i'm sure it was weird for our listeners out there that there was just such a big gap between episodes but it was also i gotta say it was weird for me like to go that long for how much time we spend around each other now doing this show to go that long without seeing you and really without talking to you except you know a few texts here and there right it was very strange i kind of i felt like what something was missing you know like i just woke up one day and i was holding the microphone like Hey, um, does, are you still working? <laughs> just alone speaking into your yes. pod mic. I just had like a metal shaker tin. So it sounded like there was a little bit of reverb on it and just talking to myself, walking around my house, <laughs> listening to this used to be my playground from a league of their own. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we did in fact walk all the way to New York city. So we are recording live from the world's biggest studio apartment. This is a, uh, yeah, this is massive. <laughs> we got a, a four deck toaster sitting on top of the cabinets next to the internet. Lots of fun cables going everywhere. Uh, my bedroom is literally the size of one bed. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it does have doors we discovered. It does have doors. We were like, wait, we thought this was two bedrooms, is but we didn't realize it was sliding there? doors. <laughs> I, we don't really know. We don't know. Yeah. It's just what it is. <laughs> We do not know, but uh, it's been pretty cool because we've gotten to see and do a lot of things. We both are huge fans of New York City, but this is the yeah. first time that we've traveled here together. Correct. So we got to do a lot of the things that we've talked about on the show, and we'll, we'll go over some of that uh, both today and, and coming up in future episodes. For sure. But we also got to film some stuff. We did. That was pretty fun. Sure was. And we got to tap a longtime friend of mine to come in and, and direct it which was pretty amazing. Uh, So he's going to be our guest today. He is a uh, comedian, a writer, a filmmaker, a director, a former bartender, uh, and uh and and also just one of my favorite humans on earth and i uh connor i cannot thank you enough do you want to introduce yourself to our audience and kind of let them know what you've been up to since you moved out here oh my god uh 
Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, I'm very grateful to be here. Hell yeah. And uh, first and foremost, before I talk about myself, ah. I just love tuning in to what you guys are doing <laughs> and the guests that you have because the people that I know, I miss those people so much. Sure. That when I hear you talking to them, it's like I feel like I'm hanging out with them. And it's yeah. like that's kind of the whole thing that you guys are doing, right? And, yeah. and I really just hats off to you. Connor, also a, a former resident of the state of Minnesota. Uh, I met him working in a nightclub and you've been, how long have you been out here? It will be 10 years in December. Gross. We're so old. I, how is that possible? How is that possible? I just looked at the last photo that I had taken at, um, it was like a few of us and a few of our friends, like literally a week before I left. And that was like, almost 10 years ago. That's so crazy. And we all look the same, which I think is a compliment. That's the biggest thing. None of us have aged at all. <laughs> Nothing is different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, actually maybe a good place to start would be, um, you came out here and kind of jumped right into like advertising and marketing. If I remember right, yeah. how did that, how did that happen? Um, sure. um but it was just, it was really, it was one of those things where it was like spontaneous. Uh, I know I want to move there. I don't know when it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden there's the possibility from one company that's like, Hey, we might need you for something in January. Sure. And then roommate of mine was like, Hey, we're here, but we have a spare bedroom. I need to know in three days. Otherwise we have to give it to this other person. And I'm just like, you go from like thinking about it to like, Oh, this is, Oh, this is, this real. is my life. And I have like $500 in my bank account and I'm like, okay, like, all right, let's go. And I literally moved here with a duffel bag and took the JMZ train from the airport and then stops at the Myrtle stop. And it's just everything that you hear about where you're just, you know, I get out and I'm like, Oh, this is the neighborhood and step over the homeless person. And like, here we go. And then they let you in. And, um, that week was one of the most defiant weeks of, uh, of the whole experience because it was like, as soon as reality set in, like it was the company that told me or the agency that told me that they might need me all of a sudden it was like, Oh, that project got pushed out we're not going to need anybody for like two months. Whoa. And, but we would love to like keep you on retainer. We'd love to keep talking to you. And then all of a sudden, um, the roommates are like, Hey, rent is due. And I'm just sitting there. Like I had, you know, dear, dear in a headlight, you know? Well, and $500 yeah. goes a long way when it comes to rent in New York city from what I understand. <laughs> so it can, it can buy you a slice of pizza. <laughs> uh, but, but like, so I'm, I started like just scouring the internet because it was about to be like two weeks. And I was like, I'm going to move home after two weeks. Like I just, um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't do what I wanted to do. Like, but I tried, you know, so I started like, kind of like, giving myself the acceptance yeah. in a way. Uh, and in my scouring for jobs, um, I saw on Twitter, somebody was like, Hey, we're looking for a advertising writer, copywriter, uh, emailed him like 
right away. But it wasn't even like, I didn't even see his tweet. It was like a retweet from somebody else. Sure. Uh, and I emailed him and I sent him like a one sentence email. And it was like, hey, I'm interested in working for you, like ultra interested. Like if I had 24 hours to live, I would spend the whole 24 hours working for you interested. Wow. Um, and then I said, like, here's my portfolio. And then he replied to me an hour later. Holy shit. Uh, and then was like, hey, can you come in tomorrow? And we're, we're in Soho. And I was like, absolutely. Took the train out there and sat down with them. And I just, I, it was one of those really, really, really special moments because it was like, I didn't think it went well. Um, I didn't know if I was going to get the job. And when you, when you walk around in Soho, there's like cobblestones, there's tourists, there's all these people, all these tall buildings kind of looking down at you. And I was like, this city got the best of me and uh, I'm going to have to move home. And the recruiter called <laughs> somewhere me. in the background, fallen angel by poison is playing. <laughs> and, and also every rose has its yes, thorn, yeah, you know, right. like kind of, <laughs> but that was just the talentless busker. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then like, you know, some woman from Spain is asking you to take a picture yes, while you're, while you're yes, crying. Yes. You're like, you're like, okay. <laughs> and you're like, okay. But, uh, and then I, I like, I just, I sat down on the curb and then the recruiter text me and said, are you sitting down? And I said, yes, because <laughs> I was sitting on the curb. <laughs> and, uh, and then he was like, all right, um, whatever you offer you asked, uh, we can double that. And can you start on Monday? Oh. And that was Friday. And, and then I just like called my mom. <laughs> I, it was, it wasn't like, you know, like the, the, it, it was just one of those feelings of, you know, my roommate came and then I was like, I'll buy, I got us some dinner. I put it on my credit card, you know, whatever was left. But, um, it was, it was one of those things, you yeah. know, and I, I love that so much. And, uh, but then when I started, I realized why I started because they needed somebody desperately. So I was working very quickly off the jump. Like we had to pitch Burger King and then we ended up winning the account. And then that put me in a full trajectory on, high production stuff. Um, and I just kind of got thrown into it and just kind of took the bull by the horns and, and, and saw how long it was kind of one of those things where it was like, I'm lucky to be here. Let me see how long I can go. Yeah. And I just kept going and Unreal. I never let go. And, and that just excelled me into, you know, where I am now. It was funny, like social media back then wasn't quite what it is now. So you couldn't, exactly like keep up with people every day on what they were doing, but it was fun to cheer you on from there until my joy turned to uh jealous rage because then you got into stand up comedy. And then I was like, this dude just fucking stole everything that I wanted to do in LA. And, like literally the, the, because I said no, and I flew back to Minnesota and then you're just killing it. And you started sending me bits and we were training it back and forth. And I was like, fuck, he's a good writer too. It's so frustrating. It is so frustrating when people you love are really good at things. <laughs> Cause that's how I look at the world. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, I mean, was that just like something you always wanted to do or was it like, fuck it as well. Turn, I want to turn it back to you for a yeah. second because I, there's a, there's a glimmer in my, you know, Charles, our relationship is short, but like, you know, Ben, you and I go back. There's always a thing where 
when you make stuff and, you know, coming from our relationship and mm-hmm. you had been making stuff forever and, and involved me in some of your earlier projects, I always kind of had an admiration for you in that way. <laughs> and there was always any time that anything was made, whatever, it doesn't matter. I would always, in the back of my head, I would always say like, what would Ben think? Oh, and, and I was just, you know, and so like when I, when the comedy thing actually ended up happening, which was totally based on, um, my insecurity of speaking publicly to people. Mm. Um, and it was one of those things where it was like, you know, like I've never rode on a roller coaster. I want to ride front row, but I also at the same time knew that like this, like I have a dark sense of humor. I have things I want to say. Um, I'm starting to say things publicly to, you know, on behalf of a brand on behalf of, you know, a celebrity who's saying the words that, you know, we're writing. I was like, I would like to try this. And it, I can't tell you like (laughs) how nerve wracking it was, Oh yeah, but at the same time, how humbling it is to stand in front of a group of people to feel that flop sweat, to try something. And it lets you know who you are really quickly uh and then if it doesn't work you feel terrible if it works really well and you kill it you're like let's go to let's do another show let's keep going let's go and like this city has so many mics every single night so it's like you end up finding like a group of friends and you're like all right we're going here we're going here i don't know if you could ever do it if you're like married with kids you know? oh, yeah, it's, it's such a young group of people um but had a pretty good routine and i just I still just always remember the only way I can describe it. It's like riding a roller coaster and you don't want to get on. And then you're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then all of a sudden, once the roller coaster goes up and then it goes down and you realize you're okay and you're having a good time. That's when the show starts, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. that's when you're doing your thing. And then all of a sudden it goes and it, it ends and you don't want it to end. Yeah. There's yeah. Well, no, I was going to say there's a moment, there's like a, there's a point of no return. Yeah. And I, en- I kind of enjoy those in, in a lot of aspects of my life where I'll hate it. But once you get past a certain point, you can't get out of it. And there's like a giving into it and just knowing that you're going to be a part of like a flow, yeah. good, bad rapids, whatever. Yeah. But you're like, well, there's nothing we can do. So let's just try and figure out like the only way is through. Yeah. And I, I do enjoy that. Like I, there's times where I have to do that to myself just to do like normal things. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. So the, then there's comedy and then you started making uh, short films, which is kind of how Charles and I um, came around to contacting you about filming what we were doing with libations. Yeah. Um, you've made two uh, critically acclaimed short films. Mm. Um, do you want to just talk about like that or uh, what that experience has been like now moving forward? Sure. Uh, absolutely. I, it originally, you know, I had from, I always started from like the writing aspect of it. And one of the great things about working in advertising is it basically gave, it gives you a segue and it gives you like a, a peek into like how production works, how to like, how you make stuff. Like I write a script, this is how it gets produced. And then all of a sudden you see it kind of come to life, you know, on camera. And, And so I had never thought in any way, shape or form that I, I was like, I don't know how films are made. I don't know how, um, shorts are made. I don't know like what even goes into it. Like some people sometimes think 
like, oh, it's just the actor. You point the camera at them and they, they start talking. I, I had a sense of that, but at the same time, once you start just kind of diving into like how it works and like, oh, this thing was written. Oh, this thing was, um, and part of that was from my background in doing standup. Mm -hmm. And after doing that for a couple of years, I always originally did that not to be a performer, but to be a writer. And sure. I was like trying to work on material and I was like, can I dive into my sense of humor a little bit? And then the irony was that the comedy aspect of it was like, it took me more into, it, it, it took me more into a dark place. Sure. And I realized like, it's not about writing jokes. I actually feel a lot more like what, who knew that like doing standup would make you more depressed because you're surrounded by comedians. Every standup comic comic listening right now is just nodding. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and it, I mean, they're all talented and great in their own way. Uh, but it, in their own retrospect, everybody is doing something for themselves, but you find a community, but everybody's kind of looking out for themselves. And sure. I think in that point, I found that I was like, Oh, I like the writing part. I like, like I, I went from, like, cause nobody realizes how hard it is to write comedy, mm -hmm. how hard it is to write a joke. If you do anything, if you write a sketch, it's like, you got to hit a joke every 30 seconds, but also like make the narrative thread through. But, um, then I found, I really like writing just honest things. I, I, I kind of started easing into it, it. It took me down this path of like, just kind of finding where I was trying to go. Um, and so I went down the drama way. I started writing drama. I started writing screenplays and I gave that a whirl. And just like me moving to New York, I <laughs> uh, met a couple people who were producing something and uh, they asked me if I could help them write their feature. And that's kind of how I dove into like the writing aspect of everything. But uh, after that, if you write something enough times, you'll see directors make it their own thing yep. and you'll always see other people make it in, in their own thing. And you, like, there's this myth that writers are like, Oh, it will always be my vision. It will always be what's on the page. It will always be this. And even if you get the project going, somebody will take it and make it their own. And after a while, um, after making a couple of shorts that I had tried I was like, I would have done that differently. I would have done that differently. But I still felt the impulse. I still felt like the urge of like excitement of like, I still want it. But that's when you finally just kind of tell yourself, I just, I have to do this myself. Sure. I have to try this myself. And uh, the two, there was, there was one short that we had done a couple of years ago um, called Sick Boy that came out in 2020, um, right at the height of the pandemic. But that was, I think, the time where it all changed uh, because it, it went from like, you know, working on some things where it was like a half idea working with crews where everybody's like, kind of like, we're all just trying to get better at this to we're all professional. Mm -hmm. We're all doing this well. And it was seen at the best of its, it was seen for what it should have been. And it was exactly what I envisioned. Uh, and after that, it was like, I can't, stop hell yeah these things um if uh we'll hit this at the end again but uh if people were interested like is it possible to see any of your stuff online right now or is it still in festival mode 
Um, you can, the, the one that's out right now, uh, yeah, that's available. You can just, if you type in my name and then, um, that film specifically was sick boy. And then the other film that I'm doing right now is called the day out. Um, I can spell a day out. If you need me to. <laughs> I think we're all right. And, uh, and it is Connor Champley. Uh, one end, Connor with one end. Yes. Yes. It's in the description. It's in the description. <laughs> uh, You'd be surprised. Says it right How there. many people will still like, even in the thing, they'll like write like Connor, like with two ends. I've just accepted it. It's okay. Yeah. The very first time that I put your name in my phone, I misspelled your last name and it still is hard to see the correct spelling because I got so used to seeing my fucked up spelling, but, spell uh, just why? Oh, yep. Oh, why? Um, Connor like McGregor one in. Yeah. We are, uh, Connor was kind enough to bring over uh, a round of Lagunitas IPAs, but our sponsors mm. at Beam Suntory were kind enough to send us to New York with a beautiful bottle of El Tesoro tequila and a beautiful bottle of Suntory whiskey. One second. Ooh. It kind of got there. Kind of. Yeah. All right. The, uh, the sounded good over here. The stone, the stone topper does kind of sometimes hinder the, uh, that we get sometimes, but it's a beautiful bottle. They've been, yeah. Yeah. They make nice bottles. Everything that in the beam Suntory world is absolutely tasty, but it's been wonderful since they came on, uh, as a sponsor for the show, been a wonderful reminder of how much I love so many of their products. Uh, <laughs> okay. I just want to remark that we are recording in our Airbnb in New York city presently. And two of the glasses that are being used are champagne flutes. And this beautiful Añejo tequila kind of looks like flat champagne. It does. It does. So just be careful, fellas, because you're going to look at the glass and say, Ooh, I want a big, nice Real, big slug. Of big this. old swig. <laughs> Real talk though. That bottle is almost bigger than this apartment. Yes. It's yeah. 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 Barely we actually, we room. had to tilt it to get it in. I mean, that was the big <laughs> yeah. thing. We had to actually take the doors off the hinges. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to get angle it in. yeah. What's <laughs> the, the, what's the friends thing? What does he say? Pivot! 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 <laughs> uh, well, I think we should cheers it up if you would yeah. be kind enough. Sure. And uh, let's jump into this. Cheers, guys. Oop, I'm going to choose you from over here. Here we okay. go. Clink. From a distance. Clink. Yeah, Kwame so Kwam and I brought two bottles of uh, delicious spirits from the Beam Centauri family on this trip, and they're both dwindling already. Yeah. And we have not been in the room very much. So. No, we got into we got into some high, or I, well, we got into some highballs. I got into more of them. Uh, but yeah, we, I think we did all right. Um, well, should we, should we jump in? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. All uh, right. I believe, Charles, you are kicking us off. Oh, boy. Oh, God. <laughs> all right, Connor. So, <laughs> NYC great city for late night dining and after bar gluttony what is the thing you crave the most late at night especially like after a night of heavy drinking omelet Ooh, omelet i like that omelet hard, you finish stop omelet like okay. they, every deli will make them and every deli will if you live in whatever neighborhood they will do it however you want but uh walk us through your dream omelet like this show goes crazy. We keep going all all evening. We get a little nuts. We're heading back. You're heading back to your house. You're swinging by. What do you, what exactly are you ordering? Ham and cheddar. Ooh, okay. That's it. And maybe sometimes if I'm feeling sprightly, a little bit of tomato. Mm. Um, but the whole thing is just, you know, let it, like, that's the one thing every single deli can make. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so whatever neighborhood you're in, if you're staying anywhere, if you're, if you're, 
doing a little staycation and like you can always get that one thing. It's breakfast at night. The irony is I don't get enough breakfast here. Sure. And I think that's just my inner like always brunch in Minnesota like urge that just kind of creeps out a little bit <laughs> like if you may. Absolutely. It, it's that's that's the one that's the one go to. But the 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 segue to that a sweet chick just opened up next to my apartment. I don't know what that means. And they have literally the best chicken sandwich I've ever had. Oh, God. Okay. But it's not late night. But if I if they were open at 2 in the morning, I would get sweet chick. Oh, really okay. Good. But if I will give you the hard answer, ham and cheese omelet. Yeah, but I love you didn't even yeah, that's great. bat an eye. Just mm-hmm. going. Like, yeah. I'm going to let you finish. Oh. I actually wanted to make a food blog called I'm going to let you finish. But then I was like, people don't know how to spell omelet. Nope. They're just going to be like, what is that? <laughs> Omeletti? Huh? <laughs> No, they're like O M M E L L E T T E E E E E. Like, wait, wait, you added like thirteen extra. Letters. What are you doing? I'm gonna let you finish, and then I'll tell you how to spell Persnickety. it. Right. <laughs> uh, Snickety. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I am hoping because we have, I, I have struck out this entire vacation with the one thing that I, I crave the most, and that's either a late night euro or shawarma. Like, I, mm. I love. There's something about just beautifully overspiced overseasoned meat chilling on some of the most delicious rice you've ever had some melange of sauces preferably less of the ones that are white colored but i'll take whatever if they just do it i'll take it uh and then just housing like yes they give you a fork but we are using it in the way that you would a spade or a shovel hold the dish as close to your face as you can and just just start going yeah so you're talking about like a yeah gyro or shawarma bowl yeah yeah yeah. like i don't want i mean don't get me wrong throw it in a pita it's delicious but when i'm a little bit hammered and i need something to kind of right the ship it's it's the the circular Mm. tin foil like aluminum Mm. bowl and then just load it up throw some veggies on if you want they're just going to get mixed in and then literally crush that and then either head back out or head to bed. Like there's two options there and it's wonderful having places like that's we, we just have a desert of that in the Midwest late night food is already really hard to find. And then if you yes. do, it's usually like burgers or pizza and to be in a city that is known for that. I can't believe I just haven't made it happen yet, but uh, we did a little bit of adventuring last night and we accidentally ended up in the middle of uh, spring break is what it felt like uh, all the college kids back having fun. So many children. And I just like every place that we walked into, we just looked around. And we're like, nope, can't even club yeah. where has gone back to the nineties. Turns out. Yeah. Oh, that was, yeah. <laughs> Everyone looks 90s like these club. Yeah. They look like extras from every nineties pop video ever. It was wild to see some of the shit. I was just yeah. waiting to walk by like a group of dudes in jerbos. That would have been like, <laughs> like somebody tight yeah. rolled, you know, a couple safety yeah. pins. I was yeah. waiting for the American pie soundtrack. <laughs> Like that bar we were at the other day. Yeah, literally. We were at a bar. <laughs> Tell and, me that you're all right. And he, he uh, yeah. Charles looks at me and he goes, this is just American Pie music. Because it was yeah. all like the punk poppy. That's the genre to me. It's American yeah. Pie music. It was like like punk pop songs about girls mixed in a little bit of Weezer. Kind of hopeful with, sounding. Yeah. It's a little bouncy. Yeah, there's some, there was some sister Hazel yeah. in there. Yeah. And I wore a button down. <laughs> <laughs> It was just like, it was, fuck, this, everything that was cool that gets lame comes back around again. I should have saved all my clothes because I could probably make some money with it. I want to go back for a second. I miss more than anything the late night in Minnesota where we would consistently get Pizza Luce, 
baked potato pie. Oh yeah. I mean your only choice. Yeah. (laughs) After a certain hour, that's one of your only choices is to order pizza. The best thing that you can ever imagine because it's like pizza, but it's also hearty. It's also a little bit of dip and it makes you feel like you're like achieving something in a way. It's for those listening that haven't experienced this. It is a a pizza crust loaded baked potato, a loaded baked potato pizza uh, with no, there's no red sauce on it. I believe it's no, it's the mashed potato. And then you get just sour cream on the side. Yeah. And uh, the nightclub that uh, I worked at with Connor, uh, if they made too many pizzas at pizza Luce, they would take what was left like the full pies and they would mm-hmm. literally walk them the two blocks to our club and just be like, we got these who wants to buy them. And we just throw twenties at them and just take all the pizzas. I, to this day, I don't know if they ever got ring in or if those guys just pocketed a hundred bucks and went back <laughs> either way. Happy, happy for it. Not your chair, not your problem. Yeah. At two thirty or three in the morning mm-hmm. after countless, probably rumble mints shots, uh, that sits real good, man. I that, divorce from them. Oh, <laughs> I'm anti double starch, but I will eat some of that pizza. I think it's because they get, so they put the baked potato on the pizza and then it gets kind of crispy in the oven. Like yeah. the top of it is kind of crispy. And if memory serves, the other toppings are small florets of broccoli, some yes. crispy bacon, and I think just cheddar cheese. Correct. I think Correct. that's all the toppings. Correct. And then you have sour cream on the side, which I'm sure Guam hates. Can't stand it. Um, but in that application, I mean, because I, I like sour cream just fine if it belongs there. In that application, I like it because of how starchy everything is. Mm. Um, and especially if you're at home and you got hot sauce on hand. Mm. But yeah, so for us in the Twin Cities where we reside, options are severely limited for late night food, which is unfortunate. Uh, we would love to see it change someday. We understand the machinations of why it has not changed. So pizza's about your only option or close to it, uh, especially if you're talking about after midnight. Mm. Idealistically, Quam sort of sniped me. But he probably knows the answer is shawarma. It's got to be crispy lamb shawarma. Mm-hmm. It's got to be on the vertical spit. Mm-hmm. And I want hot sauce too. Like the places that have a good hot sauce, yep. that's what really does it for me when it's like super late at night. And I do like having the sandwich because I want that tight wrap and I want to just walk around and munch on it. And when I'm done, I want to either find a trash can or be able to just shove the tinfoil in my pocket. <laughs> or I want to buy two of them and then eat one of them Dual and wielding. then force my friend who's not hungry to eat the rest of the second one uh, on a bridge in Copenhagen. Let's, let's just be honest here with ourselves and each other. <laughs> that I ate one in probably six tenths of <laughs> those two sandwiches. And that was after having a 50 course meal at Alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally, oh my God, I forgot that was the same night. He ate 50 courses at a restaurant and then literally was the one I went and bought late night beers so that we could drink on a bridge. Charles mm-hmm. went and bought two sandwiches and then yelled dual wield. <laughs> Uh, which is a pretty sexy thing when you're walking across a bridge. I played the Halo song on my phone. (laughs) I like Charles yelling things. It's really good. Did you guys give yourself the pleasure of uh, getting a little halal guys while you're here? That is, we walked into one last night. We didn't order anything. It was, it was 22 year old chaos. And we wanted to be hungrier than we were. Yeah. And and also (laughs) you looked at me and you're like, this doesn't smell good enough to put up with this. And I looked at you, I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't want to be around any of these people. Just nicely put. I also, I wanted, I wanted the smell to make me hungrier because I knew I wasn't that hungry, but we kind of thought, Hey, if we walk into (laughs) a shop that does like shawarma, gyro, falafel, it might like waken our senses. But we both walked in we were like, it smells great, but I'm just, I don't want to buy the sandwich and not eat it. Plus I was still a little salty because we stopped by 
my favorite hot dog shack here in New York, which is mm. Chris dogs. And they mm. got rid of my favorite dog. So then I was just mm. mad about it. And so they dogged him. They dogged me. So we, we had beers instead. Dog. Beers were good. Yeah. I mean, we had beers and shots and beers and shots. And it's kind of a testament of where we are and everything just kind of after 10 years, like things will just shut down yep. and it will go away and you won't understand why mm-hmm. you're like, wait, they mm-hmm. were successful. They were great. They were amazing. <laughs> it was my thing. It was the thing that I wanted. Yep. You know, that's the closest that I have to relating to, you know, uh, uh, women saying like, Oh, I, I, that they had my, my, the, the fragrance I wanted, yep. the nail polish I wanted, and they just stopped. And that's oh, my right. comparison. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm like, I, I feel your pain because <laughs> that's all I, that's all right. that I think about. <laughs> and that's all that I want. He's like, no. Uh, all right. Well, should we cheers? Let's cheers another. And then boop. Hey, cheers, boop. fellas. Let's get the clink. Let's get the clink. Yeah. That was a good one. That was a good clink. Uh, all right. Something you don't hear someone say when they walk out of prison. Very yeah, often. That's a good clink. That's when the door is shut behind you. Yeah. And when I leave, come together like butt cheeks. Uh, would you have been able to eat the hot dog if you got it? Absolutely. I'm, I'm now curious. Okay. Yeah, I would have. I was wondering it. if you would have forced it down. Absolutely. They didn't look that. They didn't look that big no. either. Also, for the record, the reason we weren't that hungry is because we had a beautiful yakitori dinner at Kono last. Holy night, shit! It was incredible. I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. Can, yep. I, can I can I take a step back? Yeah. The hot dog. What is your preferred hot dog topping? So that specific hot dog that I was very mad about, mm-hmm. they thin slice Virginia ham yeah. and roll it. And then they, instead of doing it on the flat top, they flash fry it. And then they throw it in a bun with, uh, it was, I think it was a dill pickle and stone ground mustard. Mm. Like, so you get the vinegar tartness, you get a little bit of spice from the mustard, and then you get all of that like fatty, salty goodness from both the wiener and the ham. And they switched it up for bacon. And that just seems like so basic. Like everybody does that. And I get, that's probably why like it wasn't popular because everybody's like, Oh, well, if there's bacon, bacon's better. Sometimes it's not. That's a hard truth, folks. I've never had bacon on a hot dog. It's delicious. That's a big, uh, it's a big thing in Scandinavia. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I was just like, oh, fuck it. All right. If they don't have the one thing that I went there for, then I'm not going to like get a second or third place and sure. force it down when I'm not super hungry. Mm. That's how you end up a plus size model. So uh, I think Charles, you actually said it last night. You guys, at this point, I'd rather spend the calories on booze. And we did. That's <laughs> Yeah, no, we we definitely had room for booze after that meal, mm-hmm. uh, but that was it was a lot of food. I just I thought I would be hungry late. Mm-hmm. We, that was our whole plan. We were like, mm-hmm. dinner's at five thirty. We'll probably be out of here by eight thirty. We'll go chill at the crib, have a couple drinks, and then we'll head back out in the street for a couple more drinks and some food. And then what we ended up doing is we were sort of directionless and wandering the city, which is a lot of fun to do, especially on a beautiful Saturday, uh, uh, Friday night. And we were like, when we see stuff we like, we'll, we'll do it. And we got stopped and pulled into a bar without a sign that ended up yes. being a, a gay cidery. That's a thing. And <laughs> I didn't realize until we left, but it was wonderful. We had what is, a, what is a that fantastic mean? time. It was a gay bar, but it was a, like a cider house, yeah. oh. which was super cool. It was like really nice, intimate, yep. uh, small space. They were the, the staff there were super friendly. We talked with them about books and life. And yeah, the uh, the bartender was reading um, Mother Night by Kurt Vonnegut. And mm-hmm. so that kicked off uh, like 20 or 25 minute literature conversation. <laughs> conversation. Yeah. And then he really like he gave me a, a beard compliment with Charles, which is the first time oh. I've ever gotten a beard compliment 
<laughs> while in his we presence. We were just talking about it at dinner. Because yeah. when we walked into Kono, the gentleman at the front the who looked like, that made the place look like it was a Guy Ritchie set, uh, remarked, um, I love a man in a, I love a man in a beard when he saw me to Charles. And it was, you then know, then looked at me and then just walked us in. I'm like, yeah, it was my, I like, I don't think you can, I think you just have to accept that. Yes. And that's what we His talked about. Because yeah. yep. Kwame's like, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah, it's like my third beard compliment of the day. And he's like, I just like for once for me to also get a beard compliment when I'm with you. And I was like, wow, I've never thought about it before, but no one has ever been with me that has a beard that also got a beard compliment to my recollection. And lo and behold, about two and a half hours later, we sit down at this bar and the bartender remarked uh, to me, um, I love your beard. And then he turns to Kwame and he says, and I love your beard too. And we went, we both went, oh! and he was like, thing. he was so confused. He's yeah. like, why, wait, why is everyone yelling? And we're like, we just had a conversation about how Kwame would like to get his beard complimented in my presence. And you did it. What yeah. are the odds? So, so <laughs> I'm flying high. I'm feeling good. And the conversation goes from Vonnegut through a few other authors to Chuck Klosterman. And the bartender tells me that he just, finished Klosterman's book, the nineties. And he goes, he looks us both in the eyes and says, I was alive for a couple of those years. And it's just really nice to kind of like have a through line so I can understand what the nineties were, you know? And I was like, Oh God, that hurts so bad. I was just trying to like nod my head, but literally it was like somebody kicked me in the solar plexus. I was like, Oh God, we were amidst baby bars. Yeah. We were like, all the bars were children. <laughs> Absolutely. There was like this, kid who was probably 22 but to my eye appeared to be nine years old who kept running past us <laughs> and then would like get distracted including pissing on a trash can while his friend was a lookout even though there was people just all around them and i was just like where are yeah we? what are we doing these children are unattended the and that was the, the beard compliment is a weird thing too though because it's like for me to you yeah i i know that you hear it all the time. It's almost like hearing somebody with a name like Roxanne and you're like, Oh, like the song, Roxanne. you know, like, and you're like, I'm, right. I'm sure you've never heard that before, but <laughs> from a beard to another beard, you're like, I'm nobody ever tells me that they like it, you know? And, and then when you hear a, a fellow beardsman, like tell you like, Hey, I really like what you got going on. I, so I always, I'd never hold back from compliments. Yeah. Beard, okay. Especially when I see it, I'm on the other end of the spectrum in that I get beard compliments frequently and also i'm bad at being complimented about anything and for me i'm just a little too pragmatic about being complimented for something that really comes down to genetics and that i stopped shaving mm. so when people compliment me i almost never say thank you because it, i'm it's almost like i'm giving them sort of uh uh uh, the idea that I've done something that I've accomplished something <laughs> stolen valor. They're like, like, cause people will say like, what do you, what do you do to get your beard like that? And I was like, I stopped shaving. I stopped. Shaving. Can confirm. I've heard him say that to multiple people. How's it so black oh, shoe polish? Actually, you wouldn't know it. It smells a little funny. It affects my sense of taste, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, so then we we literally had two shots of vodka that was called Super Gay. Uh, they even had literally a beer called Gay. And then we hopped back out, stopped at DBA, had another beer, rolled mm -hmm. home. But wise choice on the calories. Another beer. But we have digressed. We had another question to ask. So as mm -hmm. we are both uh, film buffs and love movies, mm -hmm. I believe I can include you in that, Connor, as well. Mm. What is a movie that you love mm. that most people either A, haven't seen or B, 
don't love on the level that you do? Um, right at the top of my head, um, uh, an old 70s classic called The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Oh. Um, and it is by uh, John Cassavetes, yeah. Killing of a Chinese Bookie. <laughs> there we are. Hello. I'm learning something. <laughs> Keep your face by the microphone. That helps people hear you. Uh, Where's our sound guy? But it's there's nobody that captures like Cassavetes does this thing where he almost like invented the handheld like kind of like look and feel. Sure. Where it's like the first thing that I saw that he shot that was like in black and white where you, where you used to see like old classical films that were black and white. You were like, Oh, this was shot a certain way. People are a certain thing. This feels ancient. And I distanced myself from it. Sure. That was the first time that I'd ever seen something where I'm like, Oh, they were just like us. Cool. They were, uh, and, and so he just, he has this way cause he worked and started as an actor forever. But anyways, killing of a Chinese bookie, is just about this LA club promoter who has a bunch and this is going to sound bad. Uh, he has a, like it's a strip club. Um, and he just loves it more than anything, but it's like his passion. And, but he also has a gambling problem. He gets in debt to the wrong people. And the sharks are like, if you don't come up with this money, you know, well, we have alternate ways for you to pay it back. And they basically are like, if you kill this person, we will consider your debt forgiven. Mm. And then, and this is just like a normal guy. Um, and you just kind of see from the normality, like how would somebody do this? Wow. That's not a hitman. And you just kind of, but it also has this kind of like action sequence to it where you're, you, you basically say to yourself, like anything that we do that's out of the ordinary is this. You know, right. yeah, like yeah. where yeah. you're like, oh, like if I feel uncomfortable, like, oh, this is so it's like we always kind of wax poetic to ourselves all the time. Like, oh, that's just Hollywood. That's just that he does it so well in this point where it's like I feel empathy for this man who <laughs> has a terrible gambling problem and and runs a strip club, but also is like so kind to his employees and gives uh, reassurance to like the MC that works there. It's He's like the most humbling person I've ever seen. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, anyways, it ends in a way that I think you will, it will leave you with tears in your eyes. Uh, I'm excited. Like, I literally can't wait to yeah, find this movie. So that's, that's the one. That's awesome. And, and I, it's self-fulfilling because I also literally have never heard of it. Yeah. So I need to help spread the word. Yeah. I, I was sort of, I wasn't entirely certain what way I'd go at this. A super obvious way to go would be that Fight Club is like the tool of movies mm. and that the older it gets, the more people hate it for no fucking reason. Ah, I like that. Um, but what I'm actually going to say uh, for a very different reason is um, I love Hong Kong action movies. Mm. I love Kung Fu films. I love Kurosawa. Uh, I am a massive fan and it is arguably my favorite movie of all time of uh, John Woo's A Better Tomorrow. Hell yeah. Mm. Um, people don't realize the effect it's had on modern internet culture because of the gifts you see of uh, Chow Yun Fat, like rolling back in a chair while he's chewing food and giving a thumbs up or lighting a cigarette with a $100 bill yes. while he's wearing sunglasses. That's from A Better Tomorrow. But the weird thing is, and I don't know when you're listening to this, whether this is true currently or not. And also as a recording, I don't know if it's true currently or not, but it's really fucking hard to find. Mm. I have it on DVD. Like 
I have it on VHS too, but I have a DVD of it lurking somewhere in my home. But beyond that, it's really hard to find on streaming services. I went and saw it at the small theater in Minneapolis a few years ago called the Trilon Cinema just because they were playing it. Mm-hmm. That's all I cared about. I was like, fuck yeah. Because I never, I just came out in 86. I was five years old. Yep. It's not like I went to the theater to see it. But it's just brilliant. Like so much of John Woo's work, it's also very moving. The story is more emotional than one might expect from a Hong Kong uh, action movie. So the premise is this gangster leaves that life behind and is trying to make good with his family, namely his younger brother, who's becoming a police officer and his younger brother can't trust him because he thinks he's still affiliated with the gang. And there's like a lot of emotional elements involved in their relationship, as well as the character that Chai Yun Fat plays, because he's also trying to straighten his life out. But you can tell he's sort of at first torn between two worlds. So I'm not going to get into more of it because I would you're listening to this and uh, I give you a scratch, you can itch. I would seek it out because it is wonderful. And it makes me emotional every time I watch it. And the score is awesome. And like the action is absolutely killer. There are a couple scenes that like I can basically cut for cut, repick, recollect in my head. Yep. But I absolutely um, love that movie and, and it qualifies for this topic because I think very few people know about it, partly because it's not just going to pop up on your Netflix menu. Yeah. I really lucked out. I, I worked at a bar, uh, fuck 15 years ago. Now I worked at a bar that almost exclusively played, um, Hong Kong action movies and martial arts films. Mm. And it was awesome because I got to see so many movies that I had never heard of much less like been able to see. And on a slow day shift, like that was the best thing ever. Cause if I know I'm not making money, well, the next thing I want to do is just hang out and watch movies. Okay. Well, here we go. So we had this giant, you remember the old like CD DVD books that were like the four panel, big thick one. They had the 128, and it was completely full of all, uh, Asian action movies. Awesome. And so I like half of them, I couldn't even read the title cause it was all in Chinese characters or, or whatever. That was the dope shit about working at Shinders. Yeah. I had access to VHS at the time, but tapes of like Korean Chinese action movies, Korea, like South Korean Westerns. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Have you guys seen like the original Jackie Chan? Yeah. Like what was it called? Like cop? Like, or like, um, well, I think drunken master was his first hit. I've seen every Jack. Yeah, but, yeah, a huge series, Jack movie. but it was like it, it was a police strictly, police story. Is that right? Police, yes, police yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a bunch of police stories. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you just you realize like he was on a whole other trajectory before he even like yep. broke through the American plane, and it was like this guy's a fucking legend. Well, I mean, yeah. he got he 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 got whipped with nunchucks and enter the dragon like that was his first credited role that is already cooler than anything i've ever done in my life and then he went on to have one of the most prolific careers of anyone anywhere he's got like silent film level like physical acting yeah ability like comedy chops maneuvers his body yeah it's it's wild absolutely wild i would say tokyo drifter Mm. is like seijan suzuki like just like the way that they like it totally changed the game on how we can capture color, how we position yeah. things and inspired mm. Tarantino and everything. But yep. it's like yeah. those, that, that was the thing where it's like, we have no special effects, but yet you're sitting on the edge of your seat and yep. you, just, you know what I mean? So just like high recommend. Uh, my answer for this question is I don't think anything that ever influenced other directors or, or anything like that, but it is a movie that I just rewatched and it weirdly 
hits in a different way, but just as powerfully to me now. Mm. Uh, it's a movie from the late nineties called SLC punk. Mm. Uh, Math- Matthew Lillard plays yep. a punk kid growing up in Salt Lake city to parents that were hippies that are now both corporate lawyers. And uh, it's about already, it's about choosing to live outside of what the society you live in tells you to. And it's funny. The soundtrack is incredible. The use of color is absolutely amazing. Like everything pops in it, which I, I just find it a very beautiful film but it's the only movie in my life that I watched immediately. I, I, I rented it. I watched it. That's and then the I, one and only time I saw I was renting it. Yeah. Do you, think, I, do you think that was Matthew Lillard's like best? Absolutely. Thing? Yeah. It's not even close. He is genius in it, but I literally finished it, went back to the beginning and watched it a second time. He's also criminally it. underrated. I totally agree. Someone tweeted about it like a month ago and he was like, thank you. Cause someone was like, are we just not going to talk about the, the breadth of, uh, roles that Matthew Lillard has had. It yeah. has a bunch of photos of his roles and he's yeah, like, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it, it hits, it, it actually hits the pluses and minuses of the punk scene of drug use of drinking. Mm. Like there are very serious things that happen. There's some really sad shit that happens. There's some really funny things that happen, but weirdly like not to get too deep into it, but as somebody who is not religious living in a country where a third of the country wants to turn it into a theocracy, there is a lot of parallels. If you, if you use it as a metaphor and not a direct story, there's a lot of parallels to like how I feel right now living in the United States. And it's fascinating. Like, and then even him yelling at his parents and he calls his dad a sellout and his dad, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he was shooter McGavin in happy Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He yells at his dad. He's like, you could have changed the world and you fucking sold out. And he goes, I didn't sell out. I bought in. I didn't sell out. I bought in. And I'm like, I gesture at the entire group of Americans who are in their seventies right now and still holding all the power. (laughs) Like that's fucking it. Yeah. And it, like at no point did I think, Oh, I don't know if I want to take the time to watch it. Like the, as, as soon as the first minute was done, it just got better and better and better to me. And to, to have a movie that's ostensibly about like 20 year olds for a 44 year old to watch that and still feel like it's relevant and still Mm. feel like, Oh my God, I feel all of this. It was great. And I started telling everybody about how excited I was. And literally nobody in my circle that I talked to that day had ever even heard of it. Mm. I was like, fuck. So now I want to get everybody back on the train. Christopher McDonald, I think it's Christopher McDonald. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw him in Minnesota once doing a fundraiser and everybody was just like shooter. He, he owns it. I I actually typecast. Matthew Lillard has got a lot of range, but he's uh, it's kind of a thing yeah yeah it's, those specific he's, roles it's like, he's great at yeah he's great at playing uh just like a shrewd asshole yep yeah. you know yeah, yeah basically it Vindictive looks always. yeah he didn't even have to change clothes from shooter mcgavin to the dad and also see buggy looks the exact same talks the exact same yeah. but it's a perfect role for that movie like you yeah. have to just go with it yeah um, I, always, I always remember that uh the 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 leather leather the Lillard cover where it was just blue hair yep. looking at the thing. And it was just like, Oh, this is about punk kids doing like, uh-huh. but as a kid, like in the movie store, you would always see it on the shelf. Yep. And I was always almost intimidated to rent it. Absolutely. I didn't know what I would get myself into. Um, uh, Jason Siegel also has an incredible role as a supporting actor in that where he plays the preppy kid that goes to all the punk shows, which was also me 
uh, back then I, uh, uh, famously almost got into a fight at a Dillinger four concert because a guy walked up to me in his studded leather jacket and said, Hey bro, old Chicago is down the street oh. because I was wearing khakis and polo to a D four show. But that was, I like, I don't know. I didn't want to wear the costume. Sorry. Thanks for orienting me. <laughs> this isn't where I get now my I pizza. Know how to go home. <laughs> Thanks bud. Finger guns. <laughs> let's go get some apps. Yeah. <laughs> let's go get some Buffalo popcorn chicken. You want a calzone or <laughs> Do I? Well, cheers to that. And hopefully all you listeners have three new movies to go watch. I have something to go rewatch. It's, I don't like to call it friend homework, but it it turns into a thing where it's like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And you're like, no, I will write it down. I will have like, and next thing you know, you're like, I have to, it, it goes from like, I have nothing but time to watch these things. Now it's like, I have literally a four, our window in the week what of these do i need to prioritize <laughs> and so like when i watch the thing that you tell me to people don't realize how important that is where it's like hey i watched the thing that you asked mm-hmm. me to watch in the little amount of time that i had like i'm not asking you to thank me but i i did it yep like all right so like if that I feels tell so you good to watch something, yeah. but that feels so good to you know that yeah right we all know that it feels so good when you tell someone because so much of it is in one ear out the other because human beings by and large and this isn't I, I don't mean this to be a negative thing overall but we tell people what we like but then that person just tells you the version of the thing that they like and there's seldom crossover. But I love when I tell someone when they go to another city where they should eat or a book that they should read or mm-hmm. well, I'm telling someone an album they should listen to. It's my favorite a TV compliment. show to watch. How, and when it, it always feels it, good. Yeah. When they do it, it's the best like ever. It's, it's something to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Let's connect. It's really, know? it's nice to hear like, hey, you look really good today or hey, you're funny. Like those are great compliments. The greatest compliment that I can ever get is when I either make a mix for somebody or I tell somebody about an album and like a month later, they text me like, hey, I just listened to that record and holy fuck, like, can we talk about it for a second? That there, you will never get a more animated, excited, happy response from me out of anything. Like that is it. Hmm. Uh, A friend of mine was- Does it make you as excited as me walking into a New York City Yakitori restaurant? (laughs) Yes, it does. 100%. (laughs) I'm walking down a hallway every time. I couldn't agree more. Oh my God. It's just, it's the, I had a friend who was cleaning out his car. He was selling his car and he found a mix that I made for him 11 years ago and he put it in, still worked. And he was like, homeboy's got to clean his car more. Yeah. He was, well, he's he's selling it. I think it was just under the seat, but uh, it was amazing because I didn't even remember what I put on it. So I was like, dude, go through track by track and just tell me what's on there. And I was like, fuck, that is a good mix. Yeah. Wow. Way to go me. But I was just so excited. I was like, that's fucking awesome. Way to go. 33 year old me. Yeah. Uh, Charles, would you pass me that tequila bottle? Because uh, we have another question, right? That giant it's it's you once bottle. again. Is it? Oh, we're doing the two. Damn it. Yes, Double up. up. Double up. All right. Well, let's see here. Open up my phone. You guys, I'm having a blast. Right the worst now. time. This is, this is this is so fun. Oh, yeah. I and, love. I love. I, and, and I'm also just happy to see you. Yeah. Like, it's always great to, you know what I mean? Like. It's always one thing where it's like, hey, I'm coming to Minneapolis. Let's let's hang out. Or you're like, hey, I'm coming to New York. Now yeah. it's like we're we're doing a thing, we're talking, and uh, I'm just I'm I'm on the edge of my seat, and I'm I'm very excited and to to chat with both of you. And now we created Charles Beer is Beard is also <laughs> giving, giving me tingles. Yes. So yeah. we we've, we've now created content together in a multitude of ways, and we're breaking bread together. Yep. That's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty cool. We I don't enjoy think doing that. Better than that. 
So let me talk, let's talk about something you don't like. <laughs> so my question is, is there a, a dish or a, a food item that you wish you liked more? Like, would your life be easier if you liked blank more? Um, and if you want to think about that for a second too, that's kind of an obscure question. So uh, I know, I know Charles has at least one answer for this. Do you guys have a word that you say where you say punt? Yeah. Like well, no, just punt. Sure yeah. Or kick it, kick it over. If, 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 kick me, it over, Charles. Think, for, yeah. think about it for a second. So yeah. Kick the can down the road. Kick the can down the road. Uh, mine, there's, I think there's more there than I realized when I first had to consider this like an hour ago when we. A lot of prep work, guys. A lot yeah. of prep work. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of running and gunning here. Fastidious and meticulous are two words yeah. that I am not associated with today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and say hot dogs. Because I've on the show remarked many times, skinless wieners are the devil. Um, but they're also skin <laughs> like hot dogs, like just like an American. I, I hot dog. About hot dogs yeah. Hold on, I, I just want to. I just want a T-shirt that says "skinless wieners are the devil." Yeah. No graphic, no anything, because I want to uh, watch people try Water and figure Boy's out mom. what are we talking about. <laughs> what is the a protest? Skinless <laughs> wieners are the devil. Are the devil. It's Kathy Bates, <laughs> but it's actually a, with a sign. It's just not like. <laughs> Oh my god, that's <laughs> or like the like the the Westboro Baptist the sign that has like everything that sends you to hell and it's like masturbation, fornicators, Harry Potter, like skinless all this the skinless wieners yeah. is just in there. You're right. like, mm. yeah. I, I the only reason I would say I want to like them is because in the meme world, hot dogs are just everywhere right now. Yeah. Like Peter Schweiger, every day, former guest of the podcast, is posting glizzy memes all day, every day. And I like to participate. Like I send them to him when I see them. But I'm like, man, I, just, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know why people love them so much. I think they're fucking terrible. <laughs> but, but a snappy skin on it. Old-fashioned wieners. Yeah. Have you ever met people that hate birds? Uh, yes. Uh, sure. Yeah. Like, like, like despise them. Like the best man in my wedding. Okay. Is both frightened and yeah, furious frightened or both. Okay. <laughs> and, it yeah. just, like, and you're just like, all I can picture is just like the most hardcore fucking death metal. Just do, 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 yep. do, 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 birds. Fuck you. Fuck like, you birds. Yeah. There's a uh, very side digression. Uh, one of the greatest phone calls I've ever received in my life was uh, best man in my wedding. His amazing and beautiful and brilliant wife, Molly called me to let me know that she heard her husband screaming bloody murder in the highest pitch ever, literally thinking he might've like cut his hand off. She goes running upstairs and, they were house sitting and there was just a turkey vulture on the deck and he saw it through the window and was just like taking turns shrieking and screaming profanity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, fuck. Ah, shit. Ah. Like that, which is honestly kind of what I think a turkey vulture would sound like. But, uh, I, that, it baffles me. The turkey vulture was like, this motherfucker spin, right? This motherfucker. I, I love that song, but yeah, I like, I guess I'm indifferent about birds. So I think it's funny when anybody's passionate in any way about them, mm. you know, just like, eh. so that's how Charles feels about hot dogs. Yes. Okay. About glizzies. I think no, I'm, I'm more scientific. Skinless. I like skinless wieners, skinless wieners, satanic dead. skinless wieners. I, I, I enjoy other people's enjoyment of them. That's the enjoyment I derive from them. I don't care. My brother, Tony, that's his favorite food. Oh. A hot dog. He just loves it. He loves like the worst hot dog with 
just the slimy relish, yellow mustard, ketchup, some combination. Mm. You got to ask him, what do you want on this one? But he loves that shit. And that brings me great joy. Sure. I'll grill those little fuckers for him till just before they pop, which, yeah. which I believe is the proper way to, to grill them. <laughs> the best time to have a wiener in your mouth is right before it pops. Yeah, you got to edge a hot dog. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm edging. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to grill some sort of sausage the next time and work that in. Yeah. Like, hey, look at almost done. I'm, like, Psh, I'm edging. Don't, don't let it pop. You got to oh. edge it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So did that conversation spark anything, Connor? Otherwise I'll hit you with mine as well. Okay, let's go. All right. Uh, this isn't necessarily a dish, but it's used in a lot of dishes. Straight up French's yellow mustard. My life would be so much better. We were just talking about if I enjoyed it. It's not, I don't, I don't, I won't like throw something away if it's on there. I don't get like super mad about it, but my enjoyment for whatever it's put on drops every time I take a bite. I'm just like, did that ah. happen at Gotham Burger? It did. It, so it did, it, it yeah. did affect your enjoyment. Yeah. Okay. So this is going to come full circle, like four ways. Okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say like, yeah, that was it. Like that, that burger might be the best smash burger I've ever had. Like Gotham absolutely they, killed it. I think they like cook it on a little bit of whatever on the griddle. I think they have just like a little bit of yellow mustard mm, on the griddle. Yeah. So you do taste it. And I was just like, oh, cause I, they, mm. they gave me the option. Like, what do you want on here? And to add like, more. Pick, yeah. Pickles, peppers, ketchup. Mm. Perfect. Let's go. And then I took a bite and I'm like, fuck man. See, like oh, we were just talking about. Yeah. yeah I was just like, ah, and it's again, still, I will still say that's one of the best or maybe the best smash burger I've ever had. It was delicious. It was really good, but it went from like perfect to like, you'd rather really that not have been there. Yeah. Do you use yellow mustard as a binder when you do barbecue? I, I don't. I use okay. stone ground. And to, oh, just okay. to clarify with everybody, I love every other type of mustard under the sun, sweet, brown, spicy, horseradish, mm. stone ground fucking gray poupon love all of that i just don't like french's yellow and that is the one that everyone fucking has and i'm like there's so many better mustards out there mm -hmm. and it's just like it's frustrating well it's more vinegar than anything too we were talking about that there's not a lot of actual mustard in that mustard and i would dip a burger in straight vinegar i love vinegar as well it's something about Do you read freakonomics yeah and talking about like uh ketchup and how it senses and it and it and it satisfies the five tastes Correct. and everything and it's like you can have heinz all on one side and 2500 types of mustard and it's it's the most subjective thing that we can ever totally have. and but like <laughs> the thing that's making me chuckle as you guys are talking is nothing that i like more is a hot dog with, with <laughs> nothing but French's mustard. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. Dude, I, I, I hope the next time you have a bite of that, you find some inner enjoyment of the fact that somehow, somewhere, you're pissing both of us off. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a really beautiful, that's a good power to have. Like, you just send a picture to both of us. Every and, time. and then just with your, like, middle finger next to it. Yeah, yeah. I would literally reply, sweet burn. I'm this just very excited that I have something that I love that you guys hate so yes. much. Uh, <laughs> all right so what do you hate <laughs> and you guys you guys are going to i can already when i say this bring it french fries really okay there it's a filler yep all it's doing mm. is just saying here's the entree here's a bunch of other shit to fill your stomach and 
and everybody in my entire life has always been able to finish their French fries. I cannot finish the French fries. Sure. And I feel like a less of a person if I don't finish the French fries. And if I eat the meal, but I don't finish the French fries, <laughs> I don't feel like I finished the meal. Someday, I really, really, really want you to write a book about filmmaking or the industry and call it it's okay not to finish the french fries <laughs> it's like that's such yeah. a perfect like here's my story like plucky kid from the midwest moves to new york city like i that would be such that is such a fitting fucking title i'm gonna call it fff yes fuck, fuck french fries fuck french fries <laughs> the, the f with the three marty will be so pissed the tater gator the tater gator that's my wife's nickname but chomp but should we chomp should be like fuck it i'll eat his fries i mean yo i love i there are certain french fries that are great mm -hmm. there's the potatoes sure. there's the skin like i i appreciate them. Mm -hmm. i don't like that it's the thing that we need to like fill the rest of us up when the entree doesn't do the job that's literally yeah. that is yeah. the point of this question is like there are things it, you don't have to be like i abhor that it's the idea of like my life would be easier and people wouldn't bother me about it if if i liked blankety blank yeah i have to have the mustard fight at least twice a year with one of my mm -hmm. idiot friends who's like weirdly passionate even though i've never seen him put frenches on anything at their house we're out somewhere i complain about mustard and we have to have this fucking fight i would love if we just didn't have to if i could be like yeah whatever i don't care yeah i would love to be ambivalent about any of these things i get it on the french fries oh you're not even gonna finish them like, no, it's, I it's ate a, the thing it's a I judgment. Ordered. It's like people look at your plate and you're like, dude, I eat like a bird. I'm sorry, but I didn't finish my French fries. Yeah. And people judge me on it. Yes. And, and and that's why I hate that's per Honestly, that is that is exactly the point of that question. And I yeah. don't disagree. I'd rather, like, I love a well-prepared potato dish, whatever it is, mashed potatoes, French fries, what have you. But... You do kind of feel like, why am I doing this when you're eating bad potatoes mm -hmm. or like bad bread or bad potato chips? Mm -hmm. Like it's on the table and you're like putting it in your mouth. And even as you're chewing it before you even swallow, you're like, why am I eating this? Why am I eating this? Because <laughs> last night me was really high. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we should choose to that. Because one right. thing that I think we can all agree on is that El Tesoro tequila is delicious. So you might not agree with it, but fuck French fries. Fuck okay. French fries. Uh, yeah. I'm fine with it. I, coming, coming soon. I ordered <laughs> it, it, French fries on the side. I ordered the thing. That's the thing I'm excited about. I'll have some French fries. I think they're great. If I have a burger, I'll put some on the burger. I think that's delicious. But if I don't finish them, like, fuck off. The thing that I love the most about French fries, though, all right, let's go full circle, yeah. is ketchup and mayonnaise together. Ah, fancy sauce. Good. I like Good. some fancy sauce. So if you want to cut that out, you can, and I won't judge. No, leave it on there, man. Russet potato stuff is like some of the only shit I put ketchup on. I love ketchup, but it has such limited application for me. I want it on French fries. Mm. Uh, I'll put on tater tots, even though I don't eat many tater tots anymore. I'm kind of sick of them. Mm. Put them on... Um, you know, you do hash browns with the American cheese on it for breakfast. I'll put some on there and cheese curds. So it's like russet yeah. potatoes and then it's state fair cheese curds. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's all I use ketchup for. I'm with that's you. That, bro. I love cheese curds. I love tater tots. I like, those are the fillers, but at the same time, I think, yeah, like the French fries are the thing where it's like, I want them. I want to enjoy them on my own terms. Sure. You know? Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, they're so what the, what did I say? Oh, okay. I'm going to say this on record. I told Quan the other day as we were walking around that a burger without fries is like a booty without thighs. Yes. So, <laughs> but I will also say, <laughs> I will also say that 
once in a while you're like this burger's so good i want a second burger i don't want to fill up on yep. the fries yep. i'll have a couple of the fries because it's nice but i'd rather have a second burger than finish the fries i totally agree with you so much i, I also will say <laughs> i appreciate the thighs but i'm there for the booty so I, I, I it's nice to have both booty. yes it's nice to have both yeah oh my Awesome. I've never heard that before. There you I've go. never said it before. No. I said it while we were walking. Fries is like a booty without thighs. I literally I just had God. 7th Street Burger when I said it. I just, it, just so. went fucking Rocky on it. Just put the gloves up in the air and, like and you celebrated. Can't see me right now, but my eyes are looking at the fucking ceiling. <laughs> and I, my mind is blown. It's like, is that a statement that I laugh at or gets me canceled? Like, <laughs> all the, it doesn't matter. I'm not even gendering it. Like, no. I'm Lebanese, so I got big thighs and a big butt, but also, like, there's that effect that you see sometimes like okay if we are in most cases if we are going to generate like when you see the bbl effect and it's just like too much but the legs are just not you know it's just mm-hmm. you stick legs and then like it looks like a it looks like a sunday morning cartoon oh, yep. you know God, like man. Huh. i love that so much all right interesting decision <laughs> are you the mom from the incredibles <laughs> <laughs> no that's she's got thighs oh yeah i guess you're right you're right you're right i fucking love you guys <laughs> we're, Pixar we're big givers <laughs> Uh, all right, I think you're up next, Charles. Those Pixar animators, man, they're perverts. They I feel like movies. I'm being cross-examined. <laughs> Good. Okay. A lot go. of lot of cross-examinations come from weird futons. All right. Okay. Here's. I think this is a fun topic. Uh, what was the celebration restaurant your family ate at when you were a child that you didn't realize at the fact was not in fact a five star restaurant? <laughs> I love the look on your face right now. We t- I just watched Connor become a child again. Like <laughs> that when was amazing. When you were an adult, you were like, oh, that's, it was actually. Well, no, there's, a, there's so many feelings right now. Oh, wait, hold because- on. Make that face one more time. Go like, oh. You just got genie sprinkles. We gave you a little genie sprinkles. You'll hear that sprinkled. later. Okay. Sprinkle, sprinkle. <laughs> I didn't, so I don't have headphones, so I don't get to hear Exactly. It. That's the fun of it. All right. <laughs> so enjoy whoever's listening. Uh, the, the, the. The reason that it's such a like uh, eye-opening thing is because at the time that you experienced it, you didn't realize it was a five-star restaurant, and you actually didn't want to be there. Ooh. And because I wanted to be at Chuck E. Cheese, I wanted to be at the thing, and like all of a sudden, right? But you knew Chuck E. Cheese is Chuck E. Cheese. But, but there's some restaurants you thought were fancy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think what you I graduated high school, and then wait, what was the Ask the question again. So the the formatting is like when you're a kid and you go out to eat with your family. Yep. Sometimes you think the restaurants that you're going to are like fancy. Yep. And when you're adult, you're an adult. You're like, no, that place wasn't shit. Actually. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right, you ready for this? Let's go. Yeah. Fud Rockers. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Senior year in high school. Literally one. the best experience ever. Like you, I look forward to it. I was like, this is what life is. Yeah. I get. Video games. I get a fucking burger. Self service hot cheese. I get a. Come on. I get a cookie. Yeah, dude. But you thought. But you thought you had to be a baller to go there when you were a kid. Literally, but yeah. like you know, like but what? What's <laughs> the real? Okay, I don't want to get dark, but it's like all right. About my dad. My dad. My parents got divorced when I was fucking five. All right, okay. and and my dad took us to Fuddruckers, and we would post ourselves up at a table we would Mm. we would we would do the rounds but then i would 
get a $5 bill to go play video games, which I would disappear for an right, hour. Right, right. That was so bucks. much money. I never thought about what is tokens. my dad doing? Yeah. And never thought about like, hey, can I like, thank you for taking me here. Yeah. All I cared about was like, video games. Video games. And like, mm-hmm. when are we going to get like food and blah, blah, blah. But man, oh man, like I think about now, the age that we're at now, he's like, I need to take these kids somewhere where they are going to just love life. Yep. And I get fucking 40 minutes to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then I leave and then they get a cookie and then they, they're like, this is the best thing ever. You're the best dad ever. Like, thank you for taking me here. But obviously it's not, it's, it's McDonald's, but with, seating you know (laughs) and and bigger things bigger things you know but uh that's that's my answer that's the uh fuddruckers is the only job that i specifically went out and got because a girl i had a crush on was working there (laughs) and i straight up i wore Mm. the blue apron and the blue visor with a yellow polo the dino for no there was one in maple grove that is now like a workout gym which is hilarious. You I love that. At, you worked at Rudfuckers. I to worked try at, it, yep. To get a girl. Yep. Okay. It did not work. Okay. Surprising no one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. So, hey, Amber, you were a smoke show in 1996. The way Ben <laughs> described you, Amber. <laughs> way to go. Can I, can I admit something? Yes. Never been to Fuddruckers. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's okay. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying it, it. I'm not saying I avoided it. It's just it wasn't a thing that. Do you have a Fuddruckers that you kind of like? There were, there were Rudfuckers around. The only one, the closest, the closest one, one to us now is in Nebraska. Oh, there's still more. There's still one in Nebraska. Oh, so there are none in Minnesota. Correct. I didn't know if the whole chain shut down or what. They spun it off and then people franchised it and then okay. those have all closed. So I loved arcades. Mm-hmm. I had my arcade spots like Pops Arcade downtown. Fuck I yeah. have a fun story about that that I'll tell another time. Me too. But like the $5 thing you know you saying like the five bucks five bucks went if i got a five spot because we were of little means i would be in heaven i could be like beat me up tomorrow tomorrow. (laughs) but i think one of the reasons i got so good at fighting games because i was really fucking good at fighting games was because sometimes I'd have a buck. Wait, what are, One what, buck. Are, what are fighting games? What do you mean? Like uh, when you Street punch Fighter your friend in the face. Oh, you have, oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, like gotcha, 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 gotcha. Like I was always, second, yeah. Gotcha. Charles actually ran was, a fight club. Yeah. So what but he said it like, it was like fucking, <laughs> yeah. he was like, you yeah. know, when I did fighting games, yeah, you should games, play so. him in one. That's exactly no, how it goes. I'm not going to, <laughs> but I'm going to go home and I'm going to sleep well. Oh, you sleep like a baby after drinking this delicious Eldesaro tequila. Mamma mia. Anyways, I think, and it occurred to me, I don't know, not that long ago, like five or six years ago, that I think the reason I initially got so good at fighting games, not just hand-eye coordination and stuff and like repetition, it was that if I had a fucking dollar, I knew that if I went to play Killer Instinct 2, for instance, that cost two of those four tokens, that I had to keep whooping motherfuckers' asses or I had to go home. Yep. So I was like so intense about it. Like you're I got to win. No, you're literally oh, fighting. Let's talk about this really quick. Let's talk about this really quick. We're this is it. important. This is a very, very, very important thing. You were good at the thing because you didn't want to do the other thing. Yep. All right. And we think about this all the time where I'm like, I am being, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing like, or I am very good at this mm. and I'm not good at that. But it's like, when you when I get when I get beaten in the fighting games by somebody, I go home fucking hating myself 
but I go home somewhere where I at least am like welcome. Yep. You are like dominating this game because you don't want to go home. Mm-hmm. That is a large portion of the equation, but also I fucking love being in the arcade. Yep. But you're right. And you I, are but right. I'm sorry that I took it there. No, no that's you're it. right. You're, I, you were absolutely right about it. I've answered that's like kind of like how the world works in a way. If I rode my bike to Pop's Arcade, I didn't want to fucking go home Same. at all. Like, I don't want to go home. Yep. And if I had a buck, I had to figure out, I'm playing Marvel versus Capcom. I need to grind these motherfuckers out so that I can be here all night. Mm-hmm. Because if you lost, you could you could stand there and watch people. You don't have to go home, but you're gonna have a lot little less fun. That's why it's like a 70-30 proposition. Because a big part of it is also that like you are actively enjoying yourself. It's like the other mm-hmm. the other side. You didn't want to be, you know, if you didn't want to be at home because of what was happening there, and you'd rather be somewhere where you're actually having fun. Mm-hmm. That's also pretty dynamic. Well, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting emotional right now because uh and sorry, Ben, I saw you that you were gonna say something, but it's like nobody knows what the other person is going through. Yeah. Yeah. And for yeah. the for our entire lives, I'm like, fuck that guy that always beat me in the video games. Yeah. You know? But yeah. I always like you know what I mean? But you don't think about right. I got to go home and like I like I I I, I went there as my safety. Mm-hmm. Sure. I didn't yeah. have that defense. I didn't have like like yo, I have nothing else. Like and I, I'm not I'm not I'm not posterizing you in any way where i'm saying like you had nothing like you know what i mean but it's like the difference between uh the victors and or uh the the warriors and the victims you know what i mean it's like you don't think about what everybody's going through and when you when you think about that i just literally like i was taken aback for a second because i was like yo this guy is good at what he does because he has no other option you know what i mean and it's like when you have i'm i'm so anyways beyond that the dynamics even of like uh an arcade being a safe space for like a divorced father who doesn't have the tools that and i'm not again not no specific person but like when my parents were split up because they split like 70 times you know i had a dad who didn't really have the tools to like know what to do with us and was honestly a terrible father but that was like a a similar if different situation where he he would dump us in aladdin's castle to play video games because he knew we would enjoy ourselves and he didn't know what the fuck else to do to make us happy well and that was the same thing for me is just we go to a bar because a lot of bars had arcades and then my dad could sit at the bar and drink yeah they at least had like miss pac-man and tetris or something the five eight club man the five eight club used to have like seven or eight stand-up arcade games same thing with uh adrian's on chicago Mm -hmm. like i could play double dragon spy hunter i could play akari warriors Mm -hmm. and it's it's funny because again as we've talked about a lot on this trip like all the things that therapy has kind of helped us learn about ourselves like you wonder why a kid falls in love with books movies music and video games those are all four things that you can have that will take you away from the world that you don't like being in at the time i just did things because it made me happy listening to music made me happy going to movies made me happy playing video games made me happy why did it make you happy as you get older and you look back on it it was for those for that two hours in a movie or for as long as five dollars would last in an arcade i wasn't where i didn't like to be i was somewhere where i could be the champion where i could be any character where i i could be anywhere on earth or in the universe right and that was that was really really important to me and it was something i didn't know how to articulate until i was in my 30s can i also remark because i think you'd love this that i saw a meme on instagram a couple weeks ago that said um 
nobody thinks about how fucked up it is that uh, scribbled lines on an old tree can make you hallucinate for 30 hours. Yes, yes, dude, it's so <laughs> like, true. Oh, when you put it in those terms. It's so true. Because you like transport your brain yep. entirely to another place. Yeah, yeah. That's, you're, that's you're, you're instantly in a, in a, a time machine to anywhere. Yeah. Um, but to bring it back to the restaurants and the uh, yeah. question, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if either of you remember this, but there was a, a chain. They had three restaurants in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area called the Lincoln Dell. It was a Jewish restaurant that I didn't know it. They they had like the laminate the the menu in the leather bound clear plastic mm. like three or four pages. They had really really good Jewish deli stuff. They had an incredible pie selection. The menu was massive, like cheesecake factory massive. But uh I thought it is all Jewish classics, deli classics All Jewish classics stuff. plus a bunch of Midwestern American classics. Okay. And my mother had wait- waitress there when she was in college and she loved the food. And so that was where we would go for celebrations. I think also because we were really poor and sometimes her old boss would like hook us up. But I remember when I got, um, I, I think it was my 12th birthday. Uh, I got to go from the kids spaghetti to like the adult spaghetti mm-hmm. and our waiter who seemed like daddy Warbucks, like he, they all dressed in like the nice jacket with a mm-hmm. tie. And he was like, Oh, look at you graduating to the adult stuff. Like way to go. And I was like, Oh my God, this is the greatest day <laughs> yeah. ever. So funny part is I still, I love that restaurant. And whenever the question pops around on Twitter or Facebook, like when did they vanish? Like uh, nineties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I have no recollection to to the best of my recollection. It was like kind of without a peep. They just slowly closed and then they were gone. Mm -hmm. So in my head, it was still this like fancy restaurant. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. So it turns out the daughter of one of the owners found her parents' recipe book, handwritten for all of the recipes of everything in there and thought she'd throw it out there before. Cause a lot of that, the, the population that went there are aging and, and dying off. Sure. So she thought it'd be a fun way to kind of give everybody a little bit of time back. And they sold it super cheap. It was like five or $10. Okay. So here's the funny thing. We talk a lot about cooking on this show. Uh, and so I was like, Oh my God, I can make my birthday spaghetti. Like what a cool way now, 30 years later to come back around on that. Right. So I'm so stoked. I order the fucking book and I'm just like waiting like a, like a dog waiting birthday for the mailman spaghetti is like, your hey, autobiography. Yes. Yes. And then, I love that name for some reason, for birthday, something. birthday spaghetti. Yeah. It's like be- what the f- that is amazing. That's like an that 80s rom com. Yes. <laughs> Birthday sketty. No, drama. Like <laughs> licorice pizza, bro. Yes, like, come yeah, on, let's yeah. go. So I, gotta, I just got to read you. This was, in my opinion, the finest spaghetti ever produced on planet Earth when I was a child. And it is ground beef, crushed tomatoes, totally mm-hmm. normal so far. Okay, I like it. Two cups of ketchup. Yep. Half a cup of sugar. Oh, Lord. Rosemary, basil, thyme. A quarter cup of beef stock, a quarter cup of Worcestershire sauce, a quarter cup of canola oil, (laughs) and then tomato puree. All I think of is Rosemary's baby. (laughs) Oh my God. I literally, I was standing there reading this fucking recipe like, no, my childhood was a lie. You know, you know, it's birthday spaghetti. Cause there's enough sugar to make a fucking cake. Absolutely. <laughs> like I was, and I, I made it and it tasted exactly right. But my palate is so different now than it, it was, was back same. then right. that while it was a bowl of nostalgia for me, yeah. I was like, fuck man, this isn't, I, I used to eat, right. I used to love nothing but noodles with no toppings. 
just nothing but just nothing like as a kid like i was like let me let me get those and then she was like tomato sauce i was like like but like I would eat some of the noodles and when my mom was making spaghetti, I would just like, like kind of maybe dip it in the tomato sauce a little bit, a little but bit. I was like, I wanted the, the, the straight up, like, nope. It was just, that's like, when you think about things, you're like, you like it how it is. You don't want challenges. You don't want like, Oh, now I have to like figure out why as a kid, you're like, why do I have, why do I have to eat this thing that I don't know what it is? And, and then eventually, but then you realize as an adult, like, you're like, oh, that's the most delicious thing I've ever had in my life, or I'm <laughs> extending my palate, but as a child and not too long ago, I, we, we stayed with a, with a friend and, and their kid was very, um, particular about what they were eating. And they were like, I don't, I only want bread with butter or I only want noodles. I, and I, I, I empathize with them very much. It's, it's, I think the hardest part is just, you know, letting them expand their horizon. Cause I think when it comes to food, when it comes to uh, view, when it comes to like how we're living our lives, most important is safety. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, when you feel safe, it's because I already know what this is. So I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. But once you, that's the beauty of food. Sure. That's the beauty, beauty of libations is trying something you've never tried before. When we've, when we work together on, mm-hmm. on what, like you look forward to the serendipitous moments and it's so hard. And I think expanding from what we know to what we don't know, when you can surrender yourself to that, it is one of the most totally. beautiful things about life. I totally agree with you. And, and so it's like, you go from little posthumous kid, like, you know, that's actually a perfect landmark. <laughs> what is that noise? Even is that, that is the buzzer. Oh, like that. I think someone's just bringing buzzers. Yeah. Yo, in New York, people do this thing where they will just ring every single oh, yeah. door and somebody will let them in because they don't know. And they're For just sure. like, yeah, 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 just turn it off. And then right. they will come in and they will right. take all the boxes and they will fuck it. Like I've, we used to live in a five floor walk up and, uh, and then you would yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you hear it. But then you, you, then I walk down and then you just, and then you see somebody just like taking all the, all the, uh, UPS uh Amazon boxes, whatever. And then right. you just, you know, but it's like it, they find ways to do it. That's and, so crazy. And every single person will do it. Uh, well, shit, Charles, what's your, what's your answer? <laughs> I, I think I'm going to go with Olive Garden. Yeah. I, think I think it's also, I it's, love Olive Garden because we are family when we're there. When you, when you're here, you're here. <laughs> so Jimmy Fallon owns that. What? Do you know that Jimmy Fallon or actually, no, Jimmy no. Fallon used to own when you're here, your family and he signed it over to Post Malone. Post Malone owns when you're here. The your trademark family. to the that. Trademark to when you're here, your family. That is the weirdest sentence I have ever heard you say. I prefer the AI script when you're here, you're here. Yes. Because it's so much more true of yeah. Olive Garden, which I learned as an adult. 
Also, one of the reasons I'm selecting it is because a lot of people can <laughs> connect with that almost regardless of where you are if you're in the U.S. So when I was a kid, I remember going to Olive Garden and thinking it was like Authentico <laughs> and that it was like an Italian grandmother back there cooking This is, me. in fact, Molto Bene. Molto, Molto Bene. But you have, to, you have to pronounce it like that. Molto Bene. Yeah. You know, balls <laughs> with the cheese. Yeah. Delicious. Hey, oh. Anyways, I remember we get like, It'd be my parents and then us kids and then like my godmother or something bringing us out to dinner and there'd be like a $4 bottle of rosé and they put the cork back in it and be like, take the rest home. Where I was like, wow, what a baller move, right? We just had this feast of pastas, never ending seemingly. And as many breadsticks as you can shovel down your gullet. And then here's the kicker. At the end of the meal, they just give you a mint chocolate. They got that straight candy money. I was always waiting for the Andes at the end of the meal. Like, oh, here it comes, baby. Dude, the Andes. Let's go. Give me that Andes chocolate. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a story that is common for many yeah. listeners. That when you were a kid and you went to when you were seven years old and you went to Olive Garden, you were like, "What did I do? Deserve? What did I do to deserve such riches?" I still, love, <laughs> I still, my uh, a friend of mine just left. Uh, she moved from New York to Chicago, and she had a going away party, and her going away party was. The theme was tourist going away party. So we all had to dress up in like, I love New York shirts. And we went to Olive Garden. We went to the one in Times Square. Times Square. Yes. And then she did this thing. It was, I wish I would have filmed it, but like we, we went down into the subway. Like all of us have been here for 10 years. Right. And some of us have been born here, whatever. And she was like, let's gather around. Like, and we, we hold, we held hands and like, she was like saying a prayer before the train came to like, wish like safety on us. And, and you just saw the eyes, like being people being like, what the fuck are you guys doing? But it was like, you could like how I'm at this age now where if something like that happens, I'm like, I'm being punked. (laughs) Yep. Nothing like this happens anymore. (laughs) This makes me so happy because my wife and I did the exact same thing. Yeah. We went out with, um, with two friends of ours, uh, Monet and Nick, and we, I don't even remember whose idea it was, but we said, let's dress up like suburbanites. <laughs> and we went to Applebee's, then TGI Fridays, and then Olive Garden. Mm. And we got, <laughs> we got, we got apps, apps and drinks, apps. and you had to order a, a menu cocktail at, Applebee's and then you had to do the same thing at Fridays and then we went to uh, Olive Garden and we got the what is the the trio like the tour of Italy (laughs) (laughs) where you get lasagna and fettuccine Alfredo and like spaghetti so we got that and then we got a couple bottles of Chianti and then just all of the (laughs) all the breadsticks and salad what's another bottle of Chianti so Nick and I were in we're in um, cargo cargo khaki shorts and ill-fitting polos with sweatshirts tied around our necks or sweaters tied around our necks. And then the ladies were both in um, polka dot dresses with pearls. And we had the greatest time. It was so much. It was unconscionable how fun it was because it was supposed to be sarcastic. And we all just fucking leaned into this it. It was the great. opposite of what we said we were going to do with Sam A. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wear oh, our suits and go to we're Panda gonna, Express. <laughs> Panda Express or Cub Foods for Fried Cub Chicken. Cub Foods for Fried Chicken. Did you, have you guys heard the AI script that, uh, that no. was written for Olive Garden? Oh, my God. Please you tell me you have it. it. 
I don't, I don't, I don't support AI in any way, shape, or form. This is bef- this was a long. I hate AI, but this was predating Chat uh, GPT the current shit. stuff. I will, was, I will tolerate this. Yeah. This is an actual programmer that sent in dialogue to make it spit out something. So it's like actually, this is way better than what you see from Chat GPT, which is soulless. This is terrifying. Yeah. But so okay. Uh, enters Olive Garden Restaurant. A group of friends laughs at a dinner table. A waitress comes to deliver what could be considered food. <laughs> waitress, pasta nachos for you. <laughs> we see the pasta nachos. They're warm and defeated. <laughs> Friend one, the menu is here. Waitress, lasagna wings with extra Italy. <laughs> with extra Italy? <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> we see the lasagna wings. There's more Italy than necessary. <laughs> Friend two, I shall eat Italian citizens. Waitress, unlimited stick. We see the unlimited stick. It is infinite. It is all. <laughs> Friend three, leave without me. I'm home. Waitress, gluten classico from the kitchen. We see the gluten classico. We believe the waitress that it is from the kitchen. We have no reason not to believe. Fred Four says nothing. Believe what? Believe what? In the infinite breadstick. Is the, here comes the best I part. Fred Four says nothing. This next this next salvo is the best part. Friend one. What is wrong, friend four? Friend four says nothing. Friend four. What is wrong, friend four? Friend four smiles wide. Her mouth is full of secret soup. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the final flourish the final flourish announcer with a wet voice olive garden when you're here you're here <laughs> with a wet voice that charles i'm so angry that i've never read that that is one of the funniest things when I've you're here oh you're God. here that's oh why God. i say that bro. About olive garden. and bro, the secret bro. soup smiles wide with a mouthful of secret oh. soup <laughs> Oh my lasagna wings with oh extra my Italy. G-A-W-D. That is wow. oh fuck. I feel just hot. Google, if you want to read that for yourself, just Google Olive Garden AI script. That is oh my god. Fucking work of genius. Also, I want somebody to actually film that commercial because that would be the creepiest, darkest thing I've ever yes. seen. That is I feel like somebody great. might have done that. Maybe. I feel like they had to. Have Someone had to. By now, that's that's like five or six years old i think Ugh. which is also why like it has nothing to do with modern i mean I you could just type it into the thing now and just be like make this yeah yeah and make then, a make an olive garden it would be and terrible then you would see people with the faces being like yeah like yep. <laughs> uh well fuck we should choose to that yeah to infinite breadstick oh hey when we're here yep. we're here good when you're here you're here secret soup for all secret soup for all friend four says nothing Friend four. What's wrong, friend four? <laughs> Twice. What's wrong, friend four? Oh, fucking A. We should, we should, if you ever do this again, just associate yourselves as friend one, friend two, <laughs> yeah, friend sure. three. And then and then we just will only have the three of us, so we'll just constantly ask friend four what they think. Friend yeah. four says nothing. <laughs> friend four. What's wrong, friend four? All right. Soup. What do we got? Uh, I think all right. you again. The back to back. You can take this any direction you like. We're obviously in, you know, like a bustling city where there are many like sights and sounds. We, I mean, this is an aside, but Kwame and I think uh, in many people 
probably agree with us, but we quite enjoy just hearing a singular sentence of passersby because we've heard so many fucking hilarious oh, single sentences. Or like, that's the part of the conversation we got. What was it last night? Don't sleep on my oh my god rebate idea. Yeah, don't sleep on my rebate idea. Yeah, like <laughs> that's all we caught was like, hey, don't, don't sleep, sleep on, on my, my rebate <laughs> idea. And like, oh my god, there's so many things that there's something. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the question is, what is a favorite sound of yours? Um, so. The, the last, uh, so the last short that I had done a day out, every single scene was like the whole concept of the thing is just like, we, like, we always think of like romances, like big picture things like, oh, he went above and beyond and flew across the country to like make this thing work. And then they lived happily ever after. No, it's day to day. Every single day is a challenge. Every single day is a new thing that we're learning about one another, right? And a premise of that was they get in a fight, he leaves so he can clear his head, and and then he leaves and he disappears. But every single scene in that film happened like to me yeah. in those locations. So it's like the location that we shot it, that's what happened. But mm. I just remember very, very, very specifically walking down Times Square with my dog. And this guy was just screaming at the top of his lungs. And he just looked at me and he was just like, love is the truth you're not willing to hear. I, Dude, this is so fucked up because I remember you telling me that. You called me and told me wow. that. Yeah. Like, that is so fucking nuts. I, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. And I walked away and i looked back and then he just kept talking to other people and that was the moment that i realized that i wanted to spend the rest of my life with Viv. that's incredible yeah that is affecting wow that's and it, but it was like completely serendipitous, serendipitous you know like yeah, it was completely 100%. like so you can't make use. that up but it's like it should be us saying things to each other mm -hmm. it should be this is how I feel like, like, let's talk about it. Let's get over it. But no, it's um, sometimes it's the moments when we spend a day apart, we go away, we walk, we do our thing. And then we find the reason why we are in the relationships that we are. Yeah. And when they say things like that, and when you hear things like that and you recognize things like that, um, you feel grateful for the life that you have. That is gorgeous. I love that. I'm not crying. Now I feel really bad that I'm not going to say something. I'm, <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I, I'm going to put the asterisk on this and yep. say that, of course, there's a few sounds that my wife utters that makes me so happy. And my dog, of course, sure. like it's amazing. But it, I was thinking from from like a, a random sound sure, perspective. You can take this any. Yeah. And Connor, you actually in your last in the last question, you reminded me of one of the hardest laughs I've ever had. And it literally I've told people about this sound so many times that I can't believe that I didn't think of it when you told me you were asking this question. Okay, yeah. So go back to college. I love when this happens. Yeah. This happens to us frequently, right? We're like, oh, yeah. So. 
back to college with some of my boys and you know, none of us had any fucking money. So if somebody's parents had like a decent house and they were going to be gone, that could turn into like a weekend trip, right? You go just stay at their house and we pretend like we have this place and you know, we can actually like, you know, at the time we're all sleeping in like twin beds, like you can sleep in like a nice bed and all that shit. So we decide that we're going to go to my friend's mom's house. It's down. I, I want to say it was Mankato somewhere in like Southern Minnesota. And we, of course, dilly dallied the entire time. A couple of us had fake ideas. A couple of us were 21. We stopped at a couple bars. So instead of like getting there and then like ordering pizza and having dinner there, we get there super late at night. And he's like, well, my mom's got shit in the fridge. We'll figure it out. So he starts, we're like, all right, you guys, you do that. We're going to like figure out where we're sleeping. So everybody like goes and throws their duffel bag in, in a room. And we like run around like, oh man, this place has steps and carpet, you know, like just what? what? And we reconvene in the kitchen and he's pulled like everything, every leftover out of the fridge. And again, I just want to reiterate beverages were had. Okay. So there's, there's a little bit of like, everybody's a little bit of mayhem. And we've, of course, brought with some shitty fucking beers and a, uh, a home record of Captain Morgan. Mm. And we're already starting in on taking shots of that. Ugh. A handle to uh, many. Yeah. And oh my God. so I just, I didn't even like, I, that didn't even process in my head no. anymore. Like I just canceled like yep, Captain nope. Morgan. Delete, done. delete. Green olive flavored rum. Yeah. yeah. Done. So he's going through all the stuff and he's like, li- like opening up the lids. Like, oh, okay. Like we got a little bit of uh, lasagna and like we got a couple pieces of pizza. Here's some salad. And then he pulls, uh, I think everybody's parents at one point had these, they were colored like uh mustard yellow, burnt orange and avocado Tupperware. It was sort of like a, a triangle top like it was ridged all the way around mm. they were really good tupperware they lasted forever and yeah, yeah every yeah. kid i knew we still have some okay we got the green ones yeah there you go puke green ones so he pulls the lid off and it's completely <laughs> full of cooked spaghetti noodles and we're like yo that's enough to feed everybody mm-hmm. and, yeah. and one of the guys With was no like, sauce right well that sounds amazing so so one secret, of my one of those other containers <laughs> so one of my boys is like dude see if she's got any sauce in there and so like he starts poking around and we're again we're all just bullshitting but then I start to realize that John's not bullshitting with us. He is staring <laughs> at our friend in the fridge and getting less and less happy about it. So he's rustling around. All you can hear is like the, the clinking of like jars and shit. Just fucking. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. And, and he's just watching. And now I'm, I have stopped listening to what the rest of the guys. I'm just watching John watch the refrigerator. And the smile is now gone. There's nothing more beautiful than a slowly setting smile where it's like it's up and then it goes. And then by the end of it, it's just a flat mouth. And now he's just dead eyed staring. I'm impersonating this. Yes. That you're trying to yes. describe. Yes. And you nailed it. So Jay shuts the ref- refrigerator door and looks and he goes, sorry, we don't have any sauce. I guess we have some butter and salt if you want to do that. And without missing a beat, John grabs the biggest handful of cooked spaghetti noodles I've ever seen and full fucking baseball pitches it into Jay's face. The sound of a handful of cold cooked noodles hitting another human being in the face brought me so much joy. My lungs honestly didn't know if they were ever going to taste oxygen. It was like, it was like a, like, like imagine clapping if you only had fingers. That's what it fucking like. I, I, and the, the wind up 
the windup and the fact that Jay didn't move, like he literally the only look, the only look on his face was he's not really going to throw these at me. And then he fucking did. I was down on my hands and knees, literally gasping. Like I thought, okay, this is it. I'm dead. I choked to death on a lack of oxygen because I got to hear what a man's handful of cooked spaghetti noodles sounds like when thrown 50 to 60 miles an hour into someone's face five feet away. Wow. It was so, I said it sounded like clapping with no, with just fingers. And I think that's right. Like get your hands under the sink and just hit your fingers together. That's about what it sounded like. But it was so, I like, I couldn't get past it. And then for the rest of the night, like, of course, we end up going back out. I would just burst out laughing like a fucking serial killer because all I could think about was how hilarious the, the full baseball pitch was. Was the fact he didn't move and then the sound it made and for the next couple of years every now and then i would just think about that or i'd see cooked noodles yeah. and i'd just start laughing all over again so you were actually making a really sweet point about how kids just want safety and you said you like to eat straight noodles my brain immediately thought of that noise and i just started yeah. laughing sitting here because i remembered how great that noise was and this is like 2000 this yeah. is like so fucking long ago. That's, that reminds me of when I told a story about when I tried opening the accordion bathroom door at my friend's house <laughs> after his bachelor party. And I didn't realize he was sleeping behind the door. And I like tried twice to jam it and I blasted him in the head. And the sound he made was, and it, there was a delay of like five seconds. And then I heard, and <laughs> Which at the time I was too shocked by to laugh at, but in the on the way home in my car I had to pull over because I couldn't even see where I was driving. I was laughing so hard. Oh my god! <laughs> There's this thing that happened, and I'm not proud of it. Um, but what was the pizza place right next to the loon for the long time between the loon and 508? Uh, there was like that. It was a single slice. Oh place. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like slice in New York or something. It's like, that. like yeah. where you would go, and everybody would always have like you know like. That's where you could get a dollar slice. Yeah, you right? could get the mac and cheese pizza or the yeah. pepperoni. And one. it was one year, and I was still like prime bartender. And friends came back to you know from high school, and we're all like hanging out for the weekend. And we stopped there, and a friend of mine was just like, "This line is too long. I don't want to be here. I don't want to like." And then we get a slice, and he just had something to say about everything. And then we got a slice, and he was just like, "I need ranch. I need blue cheese. I need a thing." Like he complained, and but he didn't realize like this slice is actually really good. You mm -hmm. can just enjoy it for what it is. Mm. And he didn't enjoy it, and he wasn't enjoying the moment. And the line was down the fucking block, and I just grabbed his, <laughs> I grabbed his <laughs> slice of pizza. And I just threw it yes. out the door. And I was just like, if you're not going to enjoy it, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just like looked at me like, and then everybody in line just started. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because he, he was holding up the line. Yep. I was just like, I'm not going to let you no. yeah. fuck uh, our entire experience up. What do you mean you're not proud of that? You should be absolutely proud of that. That's what a hero does, Connor. When, if it's on, if it's on the ticky talkies, People are going to be like, ficky fucky. Yeah. Like, you know, like whatever. Like but That's the best part. It was before all of that. It was, a, it was yeah. an innocent time. We had the luxury of yeah. not, <laughs> Impermanence. not known. Impermanence yeah. is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, Charles, what's, what's your sound? Yeah. You guys did specify sounds. I'm going to go like more general. Um, 
it's probably known that I can be very casual in my dress at times, but that I also love to uh, wear fine garments, mm-hmm. club caraway, baby, like putting on a club caraway suit and yep. going out to dinner. Like that makes good. me, makes me really happy. And that often means that my wife's dressing up too. And it's not just her, cause this is historical in nature, but it's most of all her. I love the sound of high heels clicking on either a hardwood floor yeah. or, or on a sidewalk. And like, I know every time I admit that to a friend, they're like, so do I, it's like something that men don't admit, but I love that. Cause it's, it's indicative of uh, having like a really cool, classy time cleaning ourselves up and going somewhere spectacular like a wedding or a really nice restaurant or a dinner party or a cocktail hour or some sort of like a professional function or a charity event and like having a great time with the person that I love the most and knowing that she's going to be like dressed up and I'm going to be like ogling her all night. I just love that sound. Like if I'm already ready and I'm kind of just like chilling and having a glass of wine and I hear the on the yep. the floor in the bedroom, I'm like, here we, there we go, like, it's showtime. I just love it. And also just like in the general yep. universe, I just love that sound. Like the clack, clack, clack. Like it's just. Charles, it. have you ever heard that sound? And then you turned and it was a man in finance with fucking dress shoes. No, I think I'm attuned. I love that. I think I'm attuned. I've heard it and I turned yeah. and I looked oh, so like, and oh. I was like, oh no. <laughs> I have seen like um, um, like a man wearing heels yeah. or yeah. or like heeled boots or something. Uh, and I I still love the sound. I uh, I I agree with you, and uh, it can be all. It can also work in a, a comedy perspective in in my world. A friend of the podcast, Abe Popowitz. I, I used to own a, a triplex, and my wife and I lived on the the first floor. Abe lived on the second floor, and he started dating this beautiful woman named Nicole, who is now his wife, and. She moved in shortly thereafter. She's pretty cool. Hardwood floors on our place. Hardwood floors in his. Yeah. And um, as most of our listeners know, I am a giant. So I have a long stride. And it always freaks me out when I hang out with really short people because I forget like how fast their little legs have to it's move. That's how we got out of the lakes. You know? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and and Nicole is, is, is very short. And... I, the first couple times that after she moved in, in the morning, we'd get up and she was getting ready for work. And so she, the last thing she would do is put on her high heels and inevitably she would always leave something in the bedroom or in the kitchen that she had to go back and get. And I would lay in bed and I would just laugh hysterically at the sound of how fast click, the little, click, 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 And I would I'd just be laying in there. In like, a hurry. Like, what does she do? Like, I want to know, what does that look like? Are you just taking little baby steps? Are you only moving at the knee? How does that work? She maybe trying to be quieter and then did like a maybe. million tiny steps, but very quickly. Like, so we were at, we were at some sort of nice function a few months ago. She was dressed to the nines and, you know, of course she's a smoke show and Abe was cleaned up real beautiful too. And she had heels on and she was standing next to me and i was like hey nicole she's like what i'm like will you just just walk over there and walk back yeah she's like okay so she just does it comes back and i'm just grating ear to ear and she's like what i'm like you just brought me back to our old triplex because all i all i heard was like click 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 
Like, 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 did like, you see what she was doing? <laughs> I did, my, you, did you finally put yes, it together? And it really is just her stride <laughs> is that short. Yeah. I'm just not like, and, and my wife is five, seven, but she has really long legs. Like it's kind of wild to see well, five, seven is the difference. Well, but the difference in our heights versus the difference in our legs, mm. I have so much more torso than she does. Yeah. So her stride is also very long. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not, I'm so tuned to my wife's stride in mm-hmm. high heels that it's weird when the frequency is faster. Yeah. So I was just like, Hey, just do that real quick. He's like, Ooh, there he goes. <laughs> there was a, there's a comedian, uh, you know, Greer Barnes. Yep. He, he would do shows at the cellar. And one of his bits that I loved more than anything was about how horse police would work undercover. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, you know, they're walking by, they're like, but then they see something, they're like, <laughs> they're like, you never see, you never see a horse police. You never see a horse police creep up on a criminal. <laughs> oh, that's fucking slow, fast, slow, yep. fast, slow, 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 <laughs> fast, fast. Horse just pressed up against the wall. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do you do? <laughs> One in stride, like yep. two legs up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Wavering. Oh, that deserves a cheers. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm just gonna do it from here. I'm gonna end up hitting the microphone again. I feel like we might break the glasses. Uh, it would appear that Connor has switched to Suntory. Uh, Charles, do you want to? Should we finish off the El Tesoro? Yo, real talk. This oh, I, I didn't even let you guys give an appropriate introduction of Centauri, but mm-hmm. wow, it's Toki. Yeah, drinking Toki as well. Toki, like, I love. I love Scotch. I love Toki. Hits such a perfect oh, trifecta fantastic. of being sweet enough that it appeals to bourbon drinkers. It's got smoke to it that appeals to Scotch drinkers and other Japanese whiskey drinkers, and it's it's actually one of the few that is incredibly affordable. Uh, you can get that bottle just about any, like ubiquity. You can find it just about anywhere, but it's also like dollar for dollar. It's, it's it is a, one of my favorite. Yeah, bottles. It's a, it's a super strong price point for a Japanese whiskey that you can sip straight or you could highball. Yep. It, it's very versatile. And, it's so good. And it leads me like, cause the design of this bottle is, I've, you know, the, the labeling is great, like everything, but this, this strikes me to my question about, the spelling of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we spell it with an E or not an E? Depends on yeah, it's, the genus, the locale. Yeah. It, in the, in the origins of whiskey, it was a way to differentiate where it was from. Mm. Um, when I write the word, I do include the E. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. It Unless it occurs to me that it comes from somewhere where you wouldn't use it. Right. Like Japanese whiskey. Yeah. Like, but if I'm just referring to in general, Yes, I will always put an E on there, but if it's from Scotland or if it's from Japan, because specifically, so we do that because by default we are Americans, and American whiskey has an E in it, so that's Mm -hmm. where where we Mm -hmm. default to. Yeah, yeah, that's like I love that. Also, why um, Scotch has to be uh, aged for three years, and Irish whiskey has to be aged for three years in one day because fuck the Scots, we're better. Like it's little shit that different. Literally, they were like, well, let's spell it with one letter different so that people know no matter what, that this is a different product. I love I, that. Shit. Yeah. I, I learn something every day. It's <laughs> like, uh, we were watching a video a few days ago on YouTube of, um, some barbecue and there's a giant neon sign in the background that said barbecue, but it was B A R B 
Q-U-E. Yep. Like that word can be spelled a multitude of different ways. That is a super unique way. Yep. Because it's missing a letter entirely. B-A-R-B. Never mind the C or the Q. Yeah. Bar, letter B, Q, Q-U-E. Probably because they could trademark that. No, because it looked like an ancient sign. That yeah. was the... Uh, when you saw it at first so. glance, did you know that it was barbecue? The sign? Yeah. It said barbecue. Oh, I know. It yeah. said barbecue. But like when you like you you think when you see like BBQ. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Like yep. if, if it's spelled out, it's just like it hits you a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a quick process. So it's like when you think about like the spelling of, of, of how of how we want to communicate it. Do we do we register it as fast? I wasn't example, familiar with the example. spelling. I'll say that. Yeah. Like I, when I saw the spelling, I was like, I didn't know. But it looked like a really old Southern neon sign with like sort of rusted out characters yeah. recessed, and I'd never seen that. So I was like, maybe that's how they used to spell it in Carolina. That also could have just been like, "Hey, Ma, how do you spell barbecue?" That, I get sounds. That's possible. Okay. Well, as there well. you go. I mean, you're, what are you gonna well. Google it? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. what, sorry what was, what was your no, case in I point i was saying um the only i i, I speak in analogies mm-hmm. i i oftentimes don't have a specific example to what we're talking about but i can i can lead it this way but it's like when my i used to work with this guy who was a mentor to me and he had a beard down to his chest and i at that same time shape like i had a beard too but i shaved it because we were, I was like shooting something where I had to be like on camera, and I was like, I thought that I needed to not have a beard because right? you wanted to look like Bonus look Jonas. Bonus Jonas, my favorite nickname I've ever which given. I've never anyone. heard in a long time, and I fucking love that name. Uh, but the second I shaved, you realize really quickly, like everybody is like, now I, I sat across. Uh, the desk um, the next day I, I sat across from somebody who I had worked with for five years and she was like, Hey, I'm Jess. And I was like, it's me. <laughs> it's literally me. It's me. <laughs> and, and, and then she was like, Oh my God. And, and so, but what he told me um, man with the beard down to his chest was like, when you have an identity and you change it, every single person that you know, has an avatar for you in yep. their head. Yep. Mm. And if you change it, they have to think about you twice as much, yep. which is stressful <laughs> because I don't want to think about just who you are and then register who you are just to get to my assimilation of being like, hello, how are you? You know what I mean? And so it's like to go back to what you mm-hmm. just talking about. Yeah. Just a little change can like kind of fuck your brain up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I always had a tough time with like a pool cue being C U E, but a line is Q U E U E. Yes. And like that, yeah. my brain couldn't, it just couldn't register that. So for a long time, I just spelled it all C U E. Yeah. And now like now it, now it goes back and forth. No problem. But I had a really tough time, like a hard time figuring that out for Q U E U E. Yeah. Like get it's, the fuck out of here. It's, that's, a, that's it's like, a crazy, it's a crazy spelling. If you think yeah. that's it. like one of those, uh, blessed people who are ESL people oh, yeah. because they learned the word yacht. Yep. <laughs> really? Y A C H T. Yeah. 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 It's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, take it to the yatched club because we got one question left. Correct. Let's go. We do. And All that right. is you, Quam. Did we cheers? We did cheers. We're cheersing we cheers again. I cheers again. Fuck it. I did cheers. the whiskey. Boom. I just cheers again. We won't break these glasses with if the we hard, cheers with too the many hard times. Yeah. Uh, so as we talked about at the top of the show, Charles and I have both traveled here extensively. 
Uh, I was fortunate enough for a few years to have a company that was headquartered here. In addition to coming here, basically since I was, I think 13 was the first time I came to New York city. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of R and D work here. I come here every, every year, usually by myself for a week. Okay. And obviously you've lived here for now 10 years. Yep. Give me, it doesn't have to be the craziest, but give me one good crazy New York story. Cause there are so many, like this city is full of so many multitudes, but there are certain things that I feel like can kind of only happen here. Yeah. Um, and again, this is, it, it's a crazy question. So if you need a little time and you want to mm-hmm. punt, feel free. That's, and it's, there's a lot, but also I don't like, I don't want to, some of them are gross. Yep. It could be gross. <laughs> um, and most of them are gross. That's just uh, fine. But also at the same time, like what the craziest New York story is like, what is this place? And, and that's, I doesn't have to be shocking. It can also be something that like move you like the okay. thing you told us all right. before. All right. right. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I was walking my dog. I walk my dog every morning. Mm-hmm. 6 a.m. Uh, it's my time to think. It's my time to just bless my day and just be like, this is what I'm going to do. This yeah. is something, you know, but yeah. I also like spending time with her and let her do her thing. Cause she fucking rocks. And, uh, man, oh man. Uh, just, I've never seen this before. I've never witnessed it before. Um, we were walking down the street and, and I don't mean to say this in a bad way, but a homeless man was walking by and I've never, I didn't understand how this works. And I, and I've always seen the resonance of it, but he just was walking pants up, just kind of did like a 45 degree tilt and just put his pants down and like at, while he pulled his pants down, he just shat, <laughs> but like a shotgun. <laughs> so it, like, it didn't just hit the side, but we it Pow. was like 20, 20 feet in front of us. Right. Okay. And I'm trying to like, my dog's white, like all white fur, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, no. Uh, and I, in that moment, shit gun, shit gun like it like propelled it like it like bounced off the ground and like hit the wall and, and then he like and then he just pulled his pants up like and then he just like kept went on about his day. he didn't care and I, it was like a water balloon but meanwhile i was like i but also i didn't care in a way right yeah the person i'm not even there bad was, i'm impressed there was another dog walker behind me that just moved you could tell yeah. she just moved I look at her and she was like, I like, you could just see it in her eyes. Like, I can't, I don't know if I have what it, and it's nothing against, you know, whatever, but it's like, that has I, nothing I don't to want do to with, deal with this shit. That has nothing to do with the housing situation for a person. Yeah. If someone in a suit did that, I would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, yep. one more story. Like a water balloon. Yeah. One more oh. story. Right when I moved here. We got a daily, daily double. double. When I, right when I moved here, I was living in Brooklyn and, uh, mother of God. Okay. So like when you, when you, I was living in Bushwick, so we were right on Broadway. So the JMZ train was right 
over our apartment. So it's like mm-hmm. when you visualize it, it's like you're living in Gotham, mm-hmm. right? You don't get sound when the train comes, your building is just fucking rocking. Um, the, the building itself was illegally like opened for tenants, you know, like our roommate's window was just covered in brick, but they just, they wanted people to move in quickly. Uh, but also when you walk outside, you deal with the reality of Broadway and Myrtle, uh, which is just, you know, chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my introduction to the city. And I just remember one time I was like waking up and I was like doing my laundry and it was like, it was like six, seven in the morning and laundry mats for the, for the record in Brooklyn are open 24 hours. These people, they're like, give us your money. Um, and I'm, I'm walking back and I just, I see this man walking with like, like a limp and he's like, kind of like like a dinosaur in a way yeah and he's crowing like a rooster (laughs) oh but he's following a woman dinosaurs are birds and you look at the woman and you're like and you're like she literally is just trying to get to work yeah she has a backpack over and he just has like a wife beater on and he's got like these shorts on it he's crowing like a rooster and he and he's crowing at her and i and i just like i i had to applaud i was like the shit that women go through mm-hmm. every single day. Yeah. She probably didn't even mention it right. when she got to work. Doesn't uh, even rate. Oh, a man crowed at me like a rooster. But meanwhile, I, with my fucking laundry in my hand, I'm like, oh, that's wrong. Like, you know, like, it, it just, it blew my mind. Um, at one point when you were loading up the washer, did you think, I wish someone would crow for me? <laughs> I mean, kind of. Kind of a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, though. Uh, like, I, Sounds I, like a country song. Think of everything that's How ever. How many covers do we come up with today? All of them. 30. Imagine. 30 at least. It, for, all, for all of the male-identifying folks out there, imagine everything that's mildly inconvenienced or irritated you in your day-to-day, <laughs> and then talk to any one of your female-identifying friends about how their week was, and holy shit, you'll learn real quick how disparate those two are respect 100% to what our female brethren go through. Mm-hmm. And it's just when you, when your eyes open to that and we think about like what we're doing and like how, like we're very privileged and I'm very like when people are like, Hey, how many times have you gotten into a fight in New York? I'm like, none. Like, because I'm just like, I'm like yep. I'm six, four and I'm like, Oh, but like people that are like, Oh, somebody, tried to jump me yesterday or somebody else tried to jump. And it's like, um, other, other, other things happen outside of what we know. Yep. I don't know. Charles, what is your, give me, give me one good crazy New York story. I have maybe recanted the story, but I don't remember when, and, um, I just really adore it. So I'm going to fucking tell it again. Get him. When I came to New York uh, for my 40th birthday and it was an R&D trip because that's kind of one of the perks of what I do for a living is, you know, I travel to markets like this to learn more about food and beverage scenes that are more impactful than the one I reside in. I had a number of meals lined up and one of them was my first visit to Masa to sit at the Hanoki bar and to have omakase with Chef Masa, titularly of Masa. And I just had like so much joy in my heart 
that trip um, for a multitude of reasons, but sitting at that bar where they don't allow the usage of your telecommunications device, mm-hmm. which I actually quite appreciate, even though I do love to take photos of my food and my company and my beverages and the environment and the staff. And it was, it was actually um, that part of the equation of that adventure uh, not only lent itself to learning the R and D, like the impact of having that as a precedent, like, Oh, keep your phone away and wh- how that feels as a consumer. But also I learned a lot about myself on that trip, dining alone at three Michelin star restaurants, yeah. like per se and Masa. And I just had this great time and a beautiful connection with chef Masa made him laugh a couple of times, which, you know, like I don't usually, I don't usually pride myself on that. It's not something that like when I make someone laugh, I'm like, huzzah, I got him. But for some reason, like the way he laughs too, he's got like that kind of like chefy, you know, laugh that he has kind of deep guttural. And also he's so authoritative working the, the restaurant and telling people what to do and feels like a bigger win when you get one there. Absolutely. He's like walking around spraying water on the live tree that is in the bar that you can't photograph and then turns around and like tells a chef what to do. And everyone yells, yes, chef. They have this giant steel that almost looks like a sword that they put in (laughs) Binchitan to bless certain pieces of sushi so that you have that nice sear on the outside, which adds like this carcinogenic flavor that you can't just get from like doing with a torch. Like everything about it is just magic. So I had an incredible time. And when I exited, you know, I thanked him and bowed to him and, and told him like, this was beyond all expectation and thank you so much. So I walked down the street, got a little bounce in my step and I'm like, I need a cigar. I ended up at the Davidoff store, which is a couple blocks away from Masa. And I tell the um, the gentleman working there, I was just at Masa. I just had like the meal of, of a lifetime in regard to sushi. I've never yeah, had yeah. sushi that good. And I need a cigar to walk around the streets of New York with. And uh, he says, oh, that's wonderful. Actually, Chef Masa comes here quite frequently. Um, the Nicaragua box press Robusto is his favorite cigar. And I was like, oh, wow. And also, I didn't know at the time that the Chef's Edition Davidoff cigar, which is a beautiful cigar, was made for four chefs, one of whom is Chef Masa. Crazy. So I told him, I'm going to need two of those cigars because I'm dining across the hall tomorrow at Per Se, and I'm going to just give the staff one of these cigars and tell chef and tell them let chef because they don't accept tipping either. Please let chef know I had a wonderful time last evening and the cigars for him to enjoy. So I go the next evening to per se, I arrive 20 minutes early so that I can be sure to just see the host and offer them the cigar and say, give that to chef please. And just let him know. Um, I send my regards. So as I enter and I see two people at the host stand, I, tell them just that. And they say, no, 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 come in, come in. And I'm like, that's pre-service. I don't want, I don't want to get in anybody's way. Like, honestly, you don't have to show me any special treatment. Like, no, come in, come in. And I walk in through the, you know, the curtains and I look and it's basically all the same people, but no customers. And chef looks at me and they're like, chef. And they go like this and they walk away and I'm standing there with a cigar. And I say, "Uh, chef Masa, I, 
procured this cigar for you. I was told it's your favorite from the Davidoff shop down the street. Uh, I just wanted you to enjoy it and let you know that I had a wonderful time last evening and I'll never forget it. And I hope to dine with you again soon. And he says, come, come here, come here. And I say, okay. And he goes, no, come around. And so I go around the sacred Hinoki bar. Never mind that you can't take photos in there. He asks me to come around the Inoki bar. And then he says to the staff, someone take his phone. We're going to take a photo together. So I took a photo with him in front of that beautiful tree behind the Hinoki bar and shit eating grin on my face. And it's on my Instagram. I don't do a lot of mean uh, main feed posts, but that was very like uh, moving and special for me. Like I felt so good about any moment. Yeah. I felt there, everything was like positive energy on that trip. And it just felt like another flourish of just, good vibes just surrounded with just like that's amazing massive positive energy and i was just like i'm not and i would never ask a chef to take a photo with them right but if they ask me to take a photo with them it's not about me obviously but then i i always if they're if they're offering i would like to you know um return the kindness and say yes of course i will take a photo with you but that was the the one time ever that someone told me to take a photo with them that felt like an achievement like whoa i'm i i'm shocked that you're asking me to do this with you right now and it was super moving and just made me very happy dude i love that so much that's so gorgeous ben i want to okay i want i have a story that i have sculpted over the last you know 20 years of my life and i would like to tell it to you okay but I would also like you, which parts of it have been taken from you. Oh, I like it. And I would like you <laughs> to tell me the real version. Okay. Once I finish <laughs> okay. telling this story. Oh, I love this. This is my favorite exercise, I think, ever. And so I'm going <laughs> to start with us as a group of young lads going to Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. And this was, you know, I was like mid. 20s whatever but the the whole arc of the story was the chaos of one night yep okay so we had played cards we had won some cash whatever but it has this thing that you win money but then it like kind of like drains you of course through, through the course of time and through the night it was like we were we were at a table Cause everybody in Vegas knows everybody and they were like, Oh, you got to go to this club. You yep. got to do this thing. And so we're that's how a, they drain you by the way. Yeah. Yeah. They set you up with always having the next place. So they get their money back. So we're sitting at a table next to Akon. I haven't slept in two days. I'm like trying to hold myself up and, and eventually I'm not going to say who I'm with, sure. but they were like, they basically just asked security to like escort me out and me <laughs> who I am like I just remember like the security guards were being so nice like that they were kicking me out of the bar uh-huh. and I like I like gave him like a hundred dollar bill and I saw him like take it and like pocket it yep. and he's like all right yeah yeah you're good get out of here and take care like, Rummy. Like, thank you so much for kicking me out of here and and I get into like the roundabout entryway I think we were staying at the Venetian mm-hmm. and uh there's like a roundabout entryway I get into a cab and I was like take me to the Venetian and he drove in a circle mm-hmm. and he went back to the entry and he was like, here you go. You're here. <laughs> and I, I gave him a $20 bill and I was like, thank you very much for taking me to the Venetian. <laughs> like I didn't need to spend that money. <laughs> but so, so I get to the elevator 
And uh, as I'm waiting for the elevator, I, I can't remember if I'm standing on the 15th floor or the 16th floor. And I, I, I get in and I just remember that there was red carpet with like red flowers and there was a ficus to the right of the elevator. It, but I, 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 I push the two buttons cause I can't remember which one and I get off. And the, the first floor that opens was there was blue carpet and no ficus. So I, I, but I get out and I'm like, fuck. And then the door closed behind me. So I have to get back up. Yep. Right. Yep. And so I push the up button and there's another couple waiting. And then I, so I push the up button and then the door opens and it's Tony Danza standing there I love that I in, a, with in a robe <laughs> with no shoes uh-huh. and he had no shoes. Uh-huh. And, but he was with a push cart with fucking champagne and on ice and he, and his hair was down past his, past his eyes. And I was just like, are you going up? Or are you going down? And then he just looked at me and he was like, I'm always going down. Oh, <laughs> and then the door closed. And I was just like, <laughs> so yep. that's my story. Yep. And I would just love for you to give us the authentic story. All right. So the authentic story was, and I've heard the story. Yeah. The, the authentic story was, I think you've told this story. Probably. The There's no way I have it. It's one of my yeah. favorite stories that, of all time. <laughs> we used to have a group that would fly out to Vegas on January 1st, and we had make believe it's New Year's Eve. And if it was, it was dicey, but if it was warm enough, the pools were open and you could hit them. So we're all out there. And my friend Trevor and I had somehow come up with that. Our gang was called the swimming gazelles. We had a, like we, this was the, this is the sign for the swimming gazelles. You sort of like fold your arms and you flutter your hands. Which, yeah, well, this whole side thing. But uh, we had rented a cabana, and uh, across from us in another cabana was Tony Danza and a, a group of people that we didn't know. <laughs> some some lovely ladies, uh, a few other guys, like whatever. And Tony Danza was drinking uh, blended drinks. Mm. And so we had been getting, like, I think we were drinking, like, Bud Lights and probably shots of Rumplemints at that time. And the server comes back, and Trevor goes let me get a red daiquiri and i was like what like what the? i've never heard you order that in my entire life and he points at fucking tony danza's cabana and he goes if it's good enough for danza it's good enough for me and so i said swimming gazelles stick together made the hand motion and i said change my order i'm also getting getting a red red daiquiri so this goes on for two hours ish everyone's hammered and we actually had shit to do that night. Like we had plans to go to the club and okay. all that. So we're like, we need to go upstairs. We probably need to take a nap for sure. Need to drink some water. And then we need to change into like going out clothes and go. So Trevor and I go and get in the elevator. Cause our rooms were next to each other. And as the elevator door is closing, we hear, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I stick my hand out thinking it's somebody from our group and it's Tony Danza in just a bathrobe, no shoes, tied at the waist and he was wearing a short swimsuit so it kind of looked like Danza's naked hair down in his face correct there and we say are you going up or going down and he looks at us as if no one has ever asked him that question and so he looks to the side at another human being we didn't know was there that we also can't see and he goes am I going up or going down and we just hear this other voice go 
you're going down. And he looks back at us, and as the doors close, he goes, I'm always going down. Oh! <laughs> doors close. We go up. Trevor and I are like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And then, like, nobody else would believe us. But I do have another witness that was in the elevator with me that that story 100% exists. Oh, my God. Wow. I love that so much. Yeah. Tony Danza, tap dance, extravagant. There it is. It's like the, the goodwill hunting, metal. though, where it's like it, it, it's, it, nobody believes it unless you tell it in first person. Absolutely. And it was just mm-hmm. the sauce on the cake that just oh. enlivened me and helped me break ice with so many people dude but, it's it's yeah. it that whole thing is so amazing and trevor i know trevor because his best friend was good friends with my ex-wife when things split up like we just kind of didn't talk anymore because our connections were cut off mm-hmm. but through facebook literally like once a year one of us will post swimming gazelles i'm always going down like that's just it, it it's a beautiful thing. I haven't seen him in person in probably 15 years. It's just wonderful that that's the only thing that we ever send to each other is just that. Dude. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a, such a beautiful story. All right, so my I'm I'm going to daily double it because I think you have to you have to give props to what makes you fall in love with a place and then you then I can tell a crazy story. The first crazy New York story that I ever had was literally my first time here. Uh, my cousin Brad Greenquist was an actor. He had been in mm-hmm. movies. I had been right. able to go to a movie theater and see my cousin in a film, which was one of the coolest experiences of all time. So he was like a God to me. We come out to New York. He says, not only is he going to hang out with us, but my cousin and I can stay with him. So we're here. We, he brings us to some cafes and we walk through central park, like all the touristy check boxes. And he says, do you want to see what it's actually like to live here? Sure. He was living in Greenwich at the time in an like just an apartment. Like I couldn't even, it was a a brick building. That's all I know. He goes, before we go back to the apartment, I want to take you to like what it's like, like when I hang out with my friends, we don't have to stay for long, but I just want you to kind of see what New York is actually like. So we walk up to this nondescript door. He knocks, open the door like, oh, hey, Brad. He's like, hey, these are my cousins. I just want to kind of show them our spot. It sounds really cool. sketchy because almost no door in this town is not a script. Correct. Like, <laughs> and again, I spray paint. This is the best. Like, this is now days. 30 years ago. So yeah. this is the best of my, my memory. Yeah, yeah. But we walk through what appears to just be a residential hallway of like an apartment building. It was longer than anyone I had ever seen, but like, cool. So we're just walking. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, are we going to like your friend's apartment? So we walk all the way to the end of the hallway and we go out the door at the other end of the hallway. Mm. And it's a courtyard that's completely surrounded. Like this building is an entire city block. And in the middle of it is a courtyard Mm. and the residents had built a bar that was completely lit by patio lights, like strings of lights across the top. I want to go to there. And it was all like, like, like tiki torches and shit. And there was music playing walled in. Yeah. It's all walled in. This is like a good answer for our apocalypse question. Yeah. And literally apocalypse, right? You're fully walled in. And they, they, Brad went up and got a drink and then he's like, what do you guys want? And I'm just paralyzed. Cause I'm like, I don't, I can't drink alcohol. You know, I'm too young. He's like, no, like what, what fucking like you want to pop, you want a Coke or something. So we got Coke and they, they poured them into like little tiki mugs for us. And we just hung out and he walked around and he introduced me. Like I was one of his friends. He wasn't like, this is my kid cousin. Like fuck this kid. He literally was like, Hey, this is Ben. He's awesome. And so everybody just started talking to me and it was all like beautiful, wonderful New York accents that I had only seen in movies. 
And I, I just fell in love in that moment. And I was like, I need to keep coming yeah. here for the rest of my life. Yeah. And when I close my eyes on a plane, when I'm on my way to New York, I am always at that party that Brad brought me to. Yeah. He lives in LA. He's an acting coach. He doesn't even have New York anymore. But to me, every time the wheels touch down, there has to be a little like tribute to him because that was such a wonderful gift that he gave me because mm. it made me fall in love with one of the greatest places on earth. Yeah. Now flash forward, my crazy New York story was I also like, I mean, Connor and, and Charles, you guys both know, like we've lived crazy lives. We've done some wild shit, right? Yeah. When, when you get to be a part of something in another city where you're like, this is even wild for like me. Mm. So I was here with uh, someone that I, I dated a long time ago and we had a mutual friend who had just opened a restaurant and it was in Brooklyn. And so we were like, well, let's stay in Brooklyn. I have never stayed there before, but let's check it out. Like mm -hmm. Brooklyn was just starting to kick into what became like the Brooklyn Renaissance. Yeah. So it was still a little bit sketchy, but hotels were crazy cheap. Mm -hmm. So we're like, yeah, let's go. So we go to the restaurant and he, it was the first time that I had ever basically had a chef not give me a menu and say, I'm just going to bring you what I think you want. And you tell me when you're full, I'd never had that experience before. And so that blew my mind and it was food of a level that at that time I could not afford. Like I could tell you exactly how much room I had on the two credit cards I had in my wallet. And let's just say the max balance on both was three digits. Mm. So I couldn't believe that I was being treated to something like this because sure. I really didn't believe it was like Possibly I was worth you. that. Yeah. Right. So we're like, we tried over and over to like over tip and he was like, shut the fuck up. Like, just, I'm really glad that you guys came here. Most people say Brooklyn's too far away. Yeah. So he's like, well, we were like, well, all right, well, we're going to go grab a drink. Like that's any good, chance. That's a good lyric for one of the 30 albums. we. Yeah, exactly. Before. So uh, <laughs> we are like, well, we want to grab another drink before we go back to the hotel. Where should we go? And he goes, actually, I kind of worked it out. These guys are going to close for me. If you don't mind waiting like five or 10 minutes, I'll take you to my favorite bar word. So we go like three or four blocks down the road. And again, this was a long time ago, but to my memory, it looked like a, like, like the colonial style houses, like big white house with giant black shutters. That's this bar. So we go in there and it's awesome. It felt like, like an Americanized Irish pub, dark wood, brass fixtures, vaguely nautical for some reason, but yeah. not on the water. Yeah. And we're just drinking shots and beers. He's introducing us to a bunch of people. The owners were there. We're having fun. 2 a.m. hits. And they're like, all right, we got to close up. I was like, oh, well, no, I, I, I thought maybe it was open later, but also we've had a lot to drink. So mm -hmm. cool. So we start getting up and the owner goes, where the fuck are you guys going? <laughs> we're like, what? He goes, we just have to close to the public. You guys don't have to go anywhere. The regulars got up from the bar, went and all pulled the shutters shut. And then as they were doing that, he just put ashtrays all around the bar. Everybody pulled cigarettes out and we all just started smoking. And he goes, what are we drinking? Mm -hmm. So they set everybody up with beers and shots. Illuminati confirmed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Beers and shots all around. Half-Life 3 confirmed. Mm -hmm. We all took turns in the jukebox. You could play one song, but you had to explain why you wanted to play it. So, of course, I'm like, oh, this is my shit. So we're having a good time. You got some milk crates I can stand <laughs> <Right>? on? <laughs> is there a soapbox anywhere? So 3.34 in the morning hits, and I'm hammered. I look at my lady, and she's absolutely hammered. Mm. So I was like, all right, babe, you know what? I want to make sure one of us can get us home safe, so we should probably roll. And she's like, yeah, let's go. 
cool. So we walk out, like hug everybody. We walk out. I'm like, that was amazing. She's in heels. And here comes Tony Danza. Right. Uh-huh. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So she's in heels and is weeble wobbly. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like maybe taking the subway, even though it's only like basically one stop, I feel like maybe we should just take the train so you can sit down for a little bit and then yeah. less walking. So we go downstairs and I'm like, all right, I don't even remember the, the name of like what letter or number the train was, but I'm like, this is what we took to get here. So we just take that back. Pulls out. We got on a fucking express back to Manhattan. Mm, my God. <laughs> so now it's like three 45 in the morning. All of the booze is kicked in. So I'm barely keeping it together. She's gone. Like I have to have one arm holding her up anywhere we're going. We get out on the other side and we look up, mind you again, I have at best two digits of room left on any credit card. So we're trying to figure out like, Oh God, what do we do next train? It's like 37 minutes. And she, she's like, I have to go to the bathroom. Now, one of the things in a city this size that always blows me away is it is impossible to find anywhere to use a restroom. Yeah. Uh, unless you're at like an open restaurant. Some people are shotgun shitting in the street. Yeah, there you go. A teenage boy is pissing on a trash can last night. So, so the best, <laughs> the best that we could come up with was there was a floor drain in the subway area and I had to hold her dress up and hold her by the hips while she held the back of my neck and leaned back to pee down the floor drain in the subway. So I I, like the best I could say is that we looked like a capital D where I was the straight line and she was the, the the semicircle, but it worked like it. it, She nailed, nailed the aim. She was your dancing in a Broadway music. There you go. But then I look back and it's still like 32 (laughs) minutes for the next train and she's fading. Like, this is just not going to work. And I was like, all right, babe, I, we don't really have money for this, but we need to fucking, we need to take a cab. And she's like, okay. So we clomp upstairs. Cab driver pulls up and almost drove away. It was just like, eh. we, we get in the cab. He brings us back to the hotel. And of course he's like, how the hell did you end up over here? If you're supposed to be staying in this hotel, I'm like ah, express thing. He's like, ah, where are you from? Like mm-hmm. Minnesota. He's like, Whoa. all right. <laughs> so he pulls up, I hand him the card and you know that weird level of drunk honesty where you'll just tell a stranger something they don't need to know. Mm-hmm. I hand it to him. I, I go, if this doesn't work or if it's declined, I for sure have one other one. And he's just staring at me in the fucking rearview mirror. He swipes the credit card. He didn't even look at the machine. He's just staring in the rearview mirror at me as I'm staring at the machine, sweating, waiting, and then it just goes. Boop, approved and i had i don't know like seven dollars in You're my like, pocket hey I was like, here you go how long ago was this uh let's just say this was the mid 2000s well he took a card yeah so uh so we <laughs> hopped out you on that we hopped out i carry her upstairs we get back mm. the next morning we're talking about it and the last thing she remembers she was coherent and talking mm. she goes the last thing i remember was when they shut the shades at the, so the whole rest of that night, like the jukebox roulettes, the smoking cigarettes, all that, the only human being that I still talk to, well, I don't, we don't even really talk, but the only human being that was with me for that whole adventure literally blacked the entire thing out. Yeah. So we got home. We finally got home. It was about 440 in the morning oh my God. and we completely train wrecked our entire next day. <laughs> Dude, I love that so much. <laughs> I love that. Oh, fuck. There's a, ah, oh, there's another piece to it. In trying to hold her up the whole time in the cab to not make it seem like she was about to vomit, 
I had a, a, this is old enough that I had a digital camera in my pocket and I had like a, like a zip up. It wasn't a jean jacket, but it was in the style of a jean jacket, but it was like kind of like a gray and black plaid. And so it had straight bottom pockets. So shit would always fall out of them because Mm -hmm. nothing could tuck in. And somehow in us doing that, my camera falls out. And it, it was all the pictures that we had from this truck. Oh so the whole flight home, she's fucking livid at me. Yeah. And around this time was when Facebook had first become a thing. And I had a Facebook profile. And this woman, this saint named Rachel Hutchinson, sends me a DM on Facebook yeah. and says, did you lose a camera in New York City? And I was like, what? She goes, I found it. And I went through all the photos and at one point you guys had taken a picture. Like we had like written our names on a wall. It was at fucking St. Dymphna's. We had written our names on the wall in uh, at St. Dymphna's in St. Mark's place. And we had taken a picture with it because they had like graffiti all over the walls. She looked me up and found me and she mailed me back my camera. That is so heartwarming. Everything about it. Like, it just gives me faith in humanity. Best part, Rachel and I, still friends on Facebook. Oh, my God. That's so great. I send her a happy birthday every year and remind her that she's a fucking saint. Yeah. I love that so much, man. Yeah. I love that so much. So that was that was my my New York story. Because we got everything. We got, like, the crazy experience, the incredible food, the late night hang because we knew somebody, the oops, that's an express train, the fuck, I don't know if I have enough money for this cab, and then the kindness of a stranger. All smushed together. That's so beautiful, man. (laughs) Well, I feel like... uh, I think... and I wouldn't call it the craziest story, but I would call it the most validating story. There you go. Um, and it was like, the, it was the first commercial shoot I had ever worked on in, in my life. And it was like, I had just taken on this major client and I just moved here. So like I was telling you before, like everything just was moving really, really fast. And, um, the first detail I always remember was showing up on set for the first time and seeing just a bunch of people just moving things and moving fast and like getting things from here to here. And I just thought that I was supposed to also do that. Mm. I was like, I'm not doing anything. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, and then like one of them was like, yo, we're, we're crew. We're, <laughs> we, this, this is, is our, our job. job. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, okay. And then, I, then I see people show up and then I see the food stylist show up and then I see like the camera guys show up and then we're like all having a conversation. But like, leading up to that moment, I was super nervous because I thought for some, whatever reason I was responsible for like getting it all done. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like, and so like I couldn't sleep and I was like sweating and, and then you get there and you just realize like, Oh, and that was one of the biggest lessons I learned was you, you don't have to do it yourself. It's, it's, if you have a vision, if you do the thing, you bring people on and you hire people to, 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 to make your vision happen. And Mm -hmm. that made it almost like, feel like, Oh, this is possible. Mm -hmm. This is a possible thing. Anyways, 
So we get through all this stuff gets shot and I'm just like surreal in life. Right. And I'm like, this is the first big production I've ever been a part of. Yeah. And then everybody was like, Hey, we're going to go get drinks after. And I was like, like I get to get drinks with all you guys. And we went to this bar and I think like a bunch of people, I don't know how it happened, but like a bunch of people from like SNL were there mm. and, and then our crew were there, which were two more like these, these two directors who like knew them mm-hmm. and like, it just kind of like it, but I just, I had this feeling like I didn't belong there. Yeah. I felt like a dilettante. Yep. Right. Mm. And I, I was like, I do not. Like, why am I hanging out with these people? I'm standing here awkwardly. They're making jokes. And then I will say an awkward thing. And then people will like, give me like, and so like, I was like, I was like, Hey, I got to go outside and have a cigarette. I don't smoke, but I, that's what yeah. I said. I don't know why. Imposter syndrome is a mother. And I, and I walked outside, but I walked outside with the intention that I was going to leave. Like, uh-huh. I was like, I got to go get a cab. I got to get the fuck out of here. I don't mm-hmm. belong here. And then I stood there for a second and I absorbed it and I realized I was like, we just did the shoot. We did this thing. Fuck. Based on something that I had written. Yeah. And, um, and then I just like, I, I, I stood tall and I was like, I'm Connor fucking Champley. Damn right. And uh, I I was like, I'm going in. I'm going to hang out with these guys. and I'm going to have a good time. Yeah. And I did. And then it was just like, once you have that kind of like thing about it, I just accepted that I transitioned. Yeah. And I made it. And I went to a new level. And now think about we're here in New York and you walked us into the Soho house oh. while we planned out like what we were going to fucking shoot for a documentary basically from this podcast Mm -hmm. like this is your house and and we got to be a guest in it man and it was it was rad and i it's fun enough for dude coming here and i'm just i'm so glad to see you man well we should we we really appreciate you and everything you did i want to say this two things yeah yeah this is like a, a bonus query and it's, it can be a bonus Jonas query. Well, we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't really talk about the video because it's not yeah. live yet, but you know, Connor directed uh, the, the video that we're doing, which is the launch of our video content. I'd like if you would kind of speak to the process and how you feel about how it was to work with us. And also I'd like you to shout out. I'd like you to shout out the whole crew. Oh yeah, for sure. I want their names on record. I want you to talk about, you know, what they, what they did for us uh, cumulatively. But yeah, like, cause I'll speak, I'll speak from our experience. It was super dope to have that, level of support for the vision that we cumulatively cultivated together, honestly, as a group of three in regard to what we want to do to create this new form of content for um, libations, for everyone, for our current Mm -hmm. uh, listeners, fans, slash whatever you want to call them, Mm -hmm. and for people who don't know who we are. Uh, This is something that we've been talking about doing for a long time that we wanted to do the right way. There's a lot of things that podcasts do and not denigrating any of them. There's a lot of things podcasts do that we've been asked for a long time when we're going to do them. 
And our position has always been that we might never do that mm-hmm. thing because it might not serve uh, our brand and our mission and what we want to present to the broader public. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing something like this, which granted I know sounds ambiguous at this stage. We're doing something like this before we do a live show because we sort of determined that doing a live show doesn't make sense yet, but this makes sense now. Correct. So we're doing this now and we found the right people to help us to bring this to life. And Connor is a huge part of that. And I just want to speak to, before you say anything, Connor, obviously you know how much I care about you and Mm -hmm. and how much this means to me, but, but from both Charles and I, uh, Kenny, Carla, and Stefan, if you hear this, I just cannot thank you enough for your professionalism, for for putting up with something crazy that we came up with. Having you there, Connor, was incredible because you're somebody that I can trust. You're mm-hmm. an artist whose vision I feel like I get when I see what you make. Mm-hmm. But for those three people, we had never met them before that morning. Yeah, And to have them come on and not only be so good at their jobs, but be so warm yep. and so uh, so open to collaboration was, was truly a beautiful thing. And uh, it it reminded me why I've always loved the creative side of the world is everything you do. You might get to be around a master at their craft and you get to be a part of it for a little bit. And that's how I felt about all three of them. Yeah. So, sorry. No, no, absolutely. And, and for the record, just who they're talking about, you know, cinematographer, Kenny, uh, he goes by, you know, Kenner Medina, that's his name, but like passport Kenny on Instagram. But then we also had, uh, uh, Carla, Carla Menja, which is M E J I A. And then Stefan Joseph, uh, who is sound. And like you said, it was such an elemental level of trust. Um, where like, have you ever like heard the phrase where it's like, I'm paying somebody to do something and it's like, all right, I paid you to write this paragraph, right? Mm -hmm. For like two weeks. Right. And Mm -hmm. then you finish it in a day and you're like, why did I pay you for writing it in a day? And it's like, Oh, you're not paying me for the day. You're paying me for my entire life up until I was working on this. Yes. And I think up until now, this was one of those moments where it was like, I have always questioned whether or not this is something I wanted to do and whether or not this is something I'm good at doing and whether or not this is something that, um, uh, I can communicate with others. Uh, my, my biggest flaws in life are just fucking communication. Like how can I talk to people? How can I tell you exactly what's going on? And being a director, you have to be communicated. Like you have to tell people like visual communication, And who knew that one would be therapy for the other Mm, and one would help you understand like yourself in a weird way. And it like, it excited me in this way. But like when I got to work with you guys and when you told me what you were working on, I knew exactly what you were talking about. I knew exactly the vision that you guys had. Uh, I listened to your podcast. I listened to like what you guys do and it wasn't about me. And the first time I ever directed something, uh, an actor said something to me. I was so insecure. I was so scared. I was like, I don't think I should, you know what I mean? Like it's that whole imposter syndrome yeah, absolutely. that you were talking about. Yeah, and, and, right. and when I called cut for the first time, I wasn't asking how the actor was doing. I was like, honestly asking people like, how did I do? Yeah. 
And they they mm. they looked at me and they were like, dude, this it's not about you. It's about us. It's about the actors. It's about the people that are here. And I just like when that happened, it was this revelation mm-hmm. that it's like I realized I got here for the right intent. But yeah. what I'm doing right now is not why I'm doing it. Right. And and then once you understand that it's about others, it's about what you guys want to make and what you guys want to do. I I was so excited. And 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 instead of being nervous waking up, like I was like I couldn't get to bed. Mm. Like I couldn't sleep. Like because I was just like thinking about infinite possibilities. Yeah. And like the one thing I wanted to pitch you guys, I was just like, we need to end with you guys getting in X, Y, Z. And then you, you know what I mean? And then it was just like, and when it started, there was, it was such, there was such little, uh, uh, there was such little um, push. I wouldn't say pushback, but there was, it, it couldn't, couldn't have gone better. Yeah. You know, I wish we could have got more stuff. Of course. But, um, but all I can say is all of that is, everything that kind of lines back up and it, and it, and it made me realize very quickly, like Mm -hmm. I am where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Thank you for, thank you for letting me do it. Uh, but also trusting me to, to capture what you guys had envisioned to begin with. And I'm so happy that we got it done. If I could say like, uh, as an indicator of your stature and, and like where you are in your career and how accomplished Mm -hmm. you are, there was a point that we were filming and you were remarking in effect, you didn't say this verbatim, but it's a philosophy of mine. Should we do what's easier? Should we do what's right? And I was like, if you say that you have command of what it is you're supposed to be doing as a director. Mm. I'm a creative director. You're a film director. But like when I, when I saw that, I was like, this dude is, yep. This, that's why, that's why he's here. Like we need, we need Connor here to uh, take the, the ideas that we have and to give them life. Mm. Because even though I'm a creative director and in, you know, I work in a visual communications field, I work in design and marketing your film director i know enough to say like uh you know this isn't this isn't for me to figure out i don't want to like have to i didn't want to i didn't want to like um delegate minutiae knowing that like it'll be a, so much of a better product and a lot of people in life could stand to do more of this mm-hmm. it's gonna be so much of a better product if you delegate to the people who are like so much better at mm-hmm. that particular thing than you are but i remember that moment was super impactful when you were like I know like setting the shot where it's going to be, or like, actually I think at the time was like, we had to change some equipment where you were like, I think that it's going to be better. And so like, we'll take the time. You absolutely didn't say it the way that I, I heard it in my head. I'd like to, and there wasn't resistance (laughs) and there there wasn't resistance either. It was more like, do you, it was more like, should we take the time to like take this equipment apart and stuff? And you were like, that's, I think that's what we need. But in my brain, I was like, should we do the easy thing or should we do the right thing to not, not to discredit anybody else on the crew, but sometimes those things seem small. Like those decisions seem like nothing because it's the path of least resistance for everybody to be like, I think we can make it work even though it's not the best thing. Yeah. But when you're in a directorial position, you have to be able to say not all the time, but when it's right, you have to be able to say, yeah. this is the right thing 
the rightest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the best thing. So let's do that thing. Yeah. That's, and not any, not just anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would surmise that like when you started elevating that there were perhaps times where you didn't feel super comfortable doing that, mm-hmm. but seeing you be uncomfortable doing that shows me that like, that's what's up, man. That's the, 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 the dude knows what he's doing. That's, that's, that's it. That's how you got to approach it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, thank you saying that i i would recommend to anybody who is listening to this to get the book the war of art not the art of war the yeah war the of war art. of art oh my god um, by stephen pressfield and it talks about the the obstacle and resistance mm-hmm. and the biggest most outlier thing that always stood out to me was the more important that the work is the more resistance there will be in front of it and the more mm. things will try to get in your way to do it. And you kind of got to look at it like a rubber band mm-hmm. where it's like the farther back you put, pull the rubber band, the farther it's going to shoot you into where it is you're sure. trying to go. Yeah. And so when you guys are like, hey, we need to do this at this time. And I'm like, guys, we can't. And I literally was almost like telling you, Ben, I was like, what? We got to figure something out. Mm-hmm. And you guys came back with the solution. I was like, this is this is important. We need to make this like, and you recognize it in that Mm. moment in any way, shape or form. Fuck my insecurities. Fuck all the shit that I think it's not about that. It's about what you guys want to make. And as soon as I did that, as soon as we, you guys came there and as soon as we showed up in the morning, I had no ego at the door because I believed in what you guys were doing. And Mm. that was what made our coverage great that's what made the 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 obstacle very minimal and there were some a a couple Mm hang-ups but every production has that but Mm -hmm. the way that like every when we when you guys left like the crew was just like thank you for including us um which is rare oftentimes they just leave and they're like all right guys (laughs) here's my invoice and you know like all that kind of shit but uh i'm really excited and and um i can't thank you enough for for including me yeah journey Um, absolutely stoicism is antithetical to art but sometimes it is necessary because you need to be able to like there were things we wanted to accomplish that were not prop they were not practical and it's not to say we didn't get the product we wanted but we had to be able to have a conversation right so hey let's talk about whether this thing fits and then you tell us if it does or does not fit Mm. i think we fit things that weren't maybe going to fit if we didn't have a conversation about it. Yep. And then we left out some things that could not fit, but being able to stoically, yep. pragmatically yep. discuss those things yep. is so important yep. to business and art. And a lot of people miss that. Yep. They're like, I don't want to fight this guy. You got to be able to have a conversation because that's how you end up with the best possible. Correct. And also, but, also, but also the most important thing though, was that it was a collaboration. And yeah. It was, it was, 100%. it was us talking together. It wasn't me just being like, we're doing this, we're doing that. It we're wasn't us, you being right? like, we're doing this, we're doing that. Yeah. It was like, Hey guys, what should we do? Mm-hmm. And it was us arriving at decisions and mm-hmm. It's like, if you ever collaborate, if you ever make things, it's never a one man show. Mm-hmm. Once you understand that it is a process that is involves a hundred people, a dozen people, whatever, the more people you bring in and the more you embrace everybody for what they do and appreciate them for what they do. That is when you're going to get the best product. Knowing they're there for a reason. Yep. Yes. Right. Like yes. that's, they're here for that. For sure. 100%. Um, Fuck man. I, again, I'll just put a bow on it and say, thank you. Uh, welcome. (laughs) 
Charles, it feels so good to be able to record with you again. Like it's weird how much I like needed this. It feels so right to be like sitting on a microphone, looking over at you again. Like that, that's been missing for almost two months of my life. And I hated that. And to get us to get to sit across the table from you, Connor, after getting to go out and hang out and after working on a, a stressful, but a very wonderful, uh, shoot with you. When I went to bed last night, I just kept thinking like, we've bought axes and swords together. We drove to, Mil- <laughs> we, we drove to Milwaukee and lit a bar on fire. We set off fireworks on, on, on a fucking highway. We, uh, we, went and had a really quiet and sad cigarette with the situation when Jersey Shore was the thing. Like the amount of crazy shit we've done together is hilarious. And I love, I love all of those stories and I will forever adore all of that. But at the end of the day, it wasn't even a question when we were trying to figure out how we could pull this off in New York, that if you had the opportunity and the time that that's who we were going to reach out to. And I love and I could say this about a lot of the guests that have been on this podcast that we were acquaintances or friends with before Charles. I love the fact that removing my friendship from it doesn't change how I feel about whatever it is they do. And I want you to hear that from my mouth while I'm looking at you, Connor, it's an honor to get to know somebody who is as creative and has a vision that you do. And it means a lot to me. And I'm really glad we got to do this. It wasn't the first thing we've worked on together and it for sure as shit won't be the last thing. And, uh, I just wanted to say, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, and we're going to make a sequel to half a mil. Yes. Fucking Gary. (laughs) Uh, for people that want to see some of your work for people that want to find that, uh, is there a social handle you like follows? Is there like, let people know where to find stuff. I'm I'm not on Facebook, but you can find me on the gram. I'm at, at Connor Champley, C-O-N-O-R with one N, C-H-A-M-P-L-E-Y. Uh, and that's the same as my website. Beautiful. Uh, anything coming up that you want to give a little preview to, or should we just leave it at just I'm, keep your eyes peeled? I'm getting a little plug in LA Weekly as Woo! 15 upcoming directors. Uh, and then after that, we're just going to keep going and keep swinging. And, um, I'm, I'm very optimistic Hell yeah. about, about the future. Love it. Hell yeah. Uh, Charles, anywhere you want to send folks? Uh, no. And I had to think about it for a second. Cause now they're probably caught up on our catalog. Cause they give, if you give them so long to catch up, no, just keep listening and keep, keep watching. Yeah, I can say that for the first time. Yeah, look forward to uh, our video. It may already be up depending on when you listen to this, but we we have some we have a lot of fun content. We're expanding um our uh, sort of just the the whole breadth of what it is that we do at Libations for Everyone. Mm-hmm. And we're happy you're along for the ride. Hell yeah. Well, uh cheers to y'all. It feels so good to be back and uh well you'll hear from us real soon. We got lots of stuff coming out for you, both new episodes dropping and of course the video content that we just talked about. So thank you all. It's so fun to be back. We'll talk to you soon. Let's get some shawarma. Shawarma!